Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. You're finally getting your Christmas gift. I am. What time, isn't it? We're only a, a little late. Well, you know. Better late than never. That is true. And I did start on it before Christmas, just oh, so you know. Yeah. Well, and I kind of broke it. Or at least in the manufacturer of my Christmas present, you had something break. That's correct. So so while it was creating your gift, you're right. So you, in kind of a way, you kind I of broke it. Yeah. But the part has been ordered, it's been fixed, and now it's sitting in front of you. What do you think yeah, of it? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, tell everybody what it is. So 3D printer, you made me a nameplate. I did. With your 3D printer. It's and it's kind, kind of cool because the font on it, it's like, it looks like it's moving. It's, it's kind cool. of a sweeping type of, yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. Metallic and old. Yeah. I, I love the color scheme. This is just one of the many things you can do with 3D printers. You know, I started making these... Like a month ago. So it takes you a house next. <laughs> you can do that now. Well, yeah. not Maybe not with my printer. Maybe one Lego block at a time. Maybe a, a little bigger <laughs> printer. And I've thought, I've actually thought about uh, printing a bunch of Lego block type of things to build a wall or something out of with my printer. I mean, it would still take a while to do. But Are you going to Texas and Arizona? Yeah. Yeah. It would be fun to do that. I could get an army of these and each one of the printers could print one block a day, right? So if you had... 30 printers, you'd be printing 30 blocks a day. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen the baby printer, of course. Make the concrete. Of course, I've even even investigated getting into that business. Yeah, those are... It's amazing. Yeah, unbelievably amazing. Print the house in a couple days. Well, uh, high-rises. They're really getting into all of it now. And it's kind of sits in the center and builds this building and including some of the cavities for the infrastructure and all that. I mean, it's all programmed in. It's amazing what you can build. Yes. With a 3D printer. Yep. And well, it depends on what your medium is, but in this case, concrete. Oh, cool. And a little, little resin in there. But, little resin. Yeah. You know, as that gets, that, that, as that technology gets better, of course, I mean, that will be used like when we start to build a station on Mars or on, on the moon first, of course, we have, have to have a moon station. So they're not going to bring structures. They're going to bring a 3D printer that they can print their stuff with. Because that makes a lot more sense, doesn't That's it? It's a lot easier. Yeah. And and if they can use some of the materials on the moon to make a cement or whatever, uh, boy, that really makes it a lot easier. Well, and you and I have talked about this before from a, okay, what do you need to be on the moon or Mars eventually? Well, you need fuel, you need water, and you need air. And there's some options out there. Yep. So there, there, there's ways to tackle that. Now, with the if you're using concrete, I, I don't know if they've got the the medium yet for what that could look like building a space station right. on the moon, or because right. uh, you water intensive. So yes. that, that would be the limiting factor for right. construction. Well, and if, if you're thinking in the traditional way, of yeah, concrete, so you yeah. can't think traditional, right? You have to really think outside the box with this. That's what we're for. That's what we are. That's for it. 
But thank you for my Christmas. Well, you're very welcome. I hope that you like it. It's Actually, you should have held on to it. It could have been a Valentine's present. Yeah, I don't feel that way about you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Just wanted to. I, 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 <laughs> I, I know you might feel that way about me, but i that's all the part of this is going. Just wanted a hug. Yeah. Maybe we could be pen pals. Now, I, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, Steve, but I don't think so. I'm so excited about what you and I are working on right now. And I have to, I have to, sh- I have to give you this because I think it's really cool. This is Five. the thing that we have Six. that symbolizes this brand new project that you and I and my grandson, Logan. Yeah, Logan's involved in this. Who's been on this program once or twice in the past as well. 16 years old now. And he is now. He is now officially an entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur. He's a business owner. How cool is that? Yeah. Right? So. Why don't, uh, what did I just give you? You gave me a golf ball. And what does it say on the golf ball? Well, it doesn't say Wilson or it <laughs> doesn't say Titleist. It, uh, it, it says Ace Putt Miniature Golf. So Logan and I, over the last couple of years, have reimagined how to play miniature golf. Now, I, I want to go back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because if you well, yeah, I don't know if you can go back that much farther than that, but but go back. Go ahead. Should we go back at least to Happy Gilmore? Let's do that. Maybe. That's, okay. That would be great. Okay, so. Nice hair, by the way. Yeah, you really? Did you get your hair cut? No, it's windy. Floby? I have a Floby story for you sometime. I No, <laughs> not good. Uh, anyway. No, I just, it's windy out, and of course it's cold, so yeah. we're in a hat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't help for me. But I got a wet hair, yeah. Uh, what keeps the warmth in, though? Um, hey, you could 3D print hair. That's a great idea. You could 3D print hair. I knew you were going there. <laughs> I knew you were going there. And what's so funny about that is I was actually, man, oh, man, this is what happens. You when went we, there, too. When we don't talk for a couple of weeks, I know what happens. We have, like, two people with ADHD here, right? So I was going through designs this morning uh, with the new 3D printer head that we have in, right? I'm like, oh, I can start printing stuff again. So I was in there looking at stuff. Blonde, br- red hand. Yeah. <laughs> and there was, there's somebody who has designed grass. And I'm like. Green. You could have green hair. I, I was looking at that as well. Of course, the hair, grass. I mean, you're growing things, right? And uh, I am think I'm going to print some grass. And I mean, it's just plastic. You know, artificial turf type of stuff, but it'd be fun just to print it and see what it looks like. Okay, but so anyway, now now go back to where we were at. There's an application for that with. Oh, that's interesting because oh, yeah. see, see, we need to talk. Oh, you got me thinking we're now. Duty at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, going back to Logan and Happy Gilmore. Okay, so if think about. The incredible golf course, miniature golf course that Chubbs was mm. teaching Happy how to putt. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and we I never thought about this. those golf courses very often. No, now, um, and you and Logan are expert miniature golf course aficionados. Yeah, we are now, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, um, there's actually a a, a different vein of miniature golf courses where it's not about the windmill and the ground's right. mouth. Right. It's actually you're improving your game. Yeah. You're, you're it's trying. A putting type. It, it's a putting, you know, 
you drive for show and you putt for dough. Yep. And and Tiger Woods is is gotten into this space because getting down the mechanics and getting to improve miniature golf, it, it's not what you think about when you think of, oh, I'm going to this resort that's got a miniature golf course or hey, I'm staying at a hotel and, well, by the pool, they've got this little miniature golf course. And we promise, by the way, throw that out. This does have tech involved with this. So, a lot of it. Yeah. Just make and, sure. And actually, there's no reason why I'll, we're telling I, I was visiting with Logan last week, and uh, there's another tech side of that, too. That oh. We'll visit a Nice. Not on the... Okay. That's... <laughs> I'm excited to hear about this now too. It's good. Okay. Um. So anyway, re reimagine miniature golf. And it's like okay, cool date night, whatever. You know, hit it through the clown's mouth. Entirely different than that. Yep. This, this is about improving the game, getting better mechanics, which means from a novice to professional to uh, different levels of golf. I mean, this is legitimate, serious golf. If so, if you think if you want to golf, you can make it. This is how I practice. Yeah. This is how I get better. Um, especially in climates like ours, where it's cold in the winter, it's like you got an opportunity to work on your summertime game. There's a lot going on there. There is. You can keep explaining. You're doing good so far. All right. So, um, and I'm going to have you explain the Tiger Woods side of this yes. because that is something entirely, wow, different level. Uh, but the ability to work on that game in a fun way that is reinvented miniature golf where the tech side now, you're interactive with other players and you're interactive with different golf courses, you're interactive with different mediums through an app, through the technology. And that is... And even keeping score. Score, well, and actually there's some variants of the game right. for scoring right. that uh, we can get into a little bit later as well because it is called ace putt, so the object is to ace every putt. That's correct. Well, so that's the hole in one. That's the practice side of stuff. Yeah. You want to get a hole in one every time, but there's some scoring options and nuances around that, which we can get into at a later time. But I, I want to give you a couple minutes here because we're running up on the break. Yeah. Um, explain a Tiger Woods miniature golf course. Yeah. So they're, uh, um, I mean, they're 18 holes. They, they usually have two courses at the place. Um, I don't know how many he's got right now, but a half a dozen to a dozen, I think. I know he's building one in Vegas. He's got a couple around the Orlando area. He's got, a, I think, one in the Phoenix area. Uh, these are mostly warmer climate scenarios so far. Uh, but they have a clubhouse. You can go and have a little ice cream, a beer, have lunch or dinner. Uh, it's about, it's, and so you can have beer and ice cream and have a float. You could. Yes. I like that. Never tried that before, but it's something to shoot for. Okay. But the, it's about an experience and, and you pay whatever the fee is. Uh, I think the day that Logan and I went, it was, you know, 25 bucks, but I think it was a little discounted because it was on Thanksgiving day that we were there. Um, but I think it's like normally 30 bucks to play, but it's an all day pass. So you don't have to play for, you don't pay for each round. You can go play the one course, go in, have a little lunch, go back out and play another one. And they're all, they're not windmills and clowns. No. These are all 
putting surfaces uh, with nuances on each one of them. There'll be a hill that you bank around. There's some sand on both sides. Ventilation on the green. All of it. And little, it's just like yeah. putting. And he calls he, it, the courses are called Pop Stroke. And it's based on his dad and him when they were out. When he was young, they would go to the putting green and they'd just practice. They'd practice their strokes, right? So that was, that was the inspiration behind this. This is all about his dad. It's pretty cool. So... Now it's about you and your grandson. So it, it is. It's yeah, interesting nuances yeah, here, right? The, yeah, thread. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we'll tell you the rules after the break. Welcome back to the Tech Ranch. Let's get back to discovering the latest in technology with the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. So probably the reason I'm excited about this, by the way, and just so you know, we are going to get to see yes, Steve. We are. Yeah, we are. You know, just at some point. At some point. Uh, the sort of electronic like, show that, that I get to uh, physically go there. Well, I'm surprised that you didn't figure out a way to get there this year. Yeah, well, next the, year, next year. All right, so next just year, put it on your planner now so that nothing can bump you out of going to see us next Perfect. year. And I'll do the same thing because I didn't dedicate as much time to it this year. I can sleep on your couch, right? You can sleep on my couch down there. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, the cost of going isn't a legal. Cheap trip, or we can get. Somebody like Yarbo to... Ooh, could I ride a Yarbo? <laughs> I could ride a Yarbo there. Just sponsor us. Yeah, if I run into snow, they move the snow. That's correct. That's correct. We'll get to that. I'll take my Yarbo. Uh, by the way, getting back to CES but, this year. We uh, The reason I'm excited, probably more so than than usual, is is the fact that I think my grandson's involved. And you are, too. So it's like the best of both worlds. I get to have my radio buddy. No, I'm I'm not your grandson. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> that is correct. I don't That's think funny. I've been put up for adoption. No, I'm no. not sure. And again, <laughs> not going to happen. Even if you have been. <laughs> I think it's fun doing these shows and having coffee once in a while, but that's all the farther we're yep, going we're here, good. right? Yeah. Maybe pen pals. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> inside joke. That is that's inside joke. <laughs> yes. That is funny. That's funny. Uh, but anyway, why don't you describe the rules of Ace Putt? Now, are we, are we at that point? I, I guess we could. So I basically, it's it, 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 nothing. Uh, I mean, we got all of our stuff filed. We can yeah. we can openly talk about this now. And our goal is to have this available for miniature golf courses by April first. So a uh, miniature golf course can sign up to have this version of miniature golf played on their course. So basically, it's stroke play for uh, miniature golf. Right. So you get three balls numbered one, two, three. Number That's correct. One. Yeah, we wow. had a. We have to put numbers on these. Yeah, but. more ball. Um. So, uh, and there's a value assigned to acing a putt with the first ball, second ball, or third ball. Right. And then we're working on the mulligan side of stuff too. Yes. Which that I it, I love the mulligan side. Of yeah. It. Yeah. We'll have we'll have some special features. Give somebody this. like me hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you actually start with the three ball first? Start with the three ball because if you three, score according to the ball, right? So if you if you put the three ball in, then you get three, three points, and then you hit the second ball, and then the first two ball. points. Because so we're just assuming that as you hit the second and third ball, you should kind of get the feel for the course, and it should become easier, right? Well, now we we just spent some time talking about the Tiger Woods and some of those that are right. more putting now. 
those are courses without bumpers. So uh, if you're looking at a traditional mini golf course, you're looking at bumpers, obstacles, things like that. So that first ball is really hard to get it in the hole. Especially if you have to time the windmill yeah. door or the door going up and down. The second like ball, you're like, oh, okay, I get the angle. It's kind of like playing bumper pool. And it's like, oh, I, I get the angle. I, I can get yep. some English on yep. that. And then the third ball, which is number one ball, that's which you can get one point off of. That is, well, you should have it down by that. In theory. Yep. And of course, for me. It, it is, the rules are a little similar to bumper pool as yep. well because you hit your three balls in tandem. Yep. It's not like you hit your number three ball, then I hit That's my number three. Else. You actually go three, two, one, and then the next person plays. And the other balls are still in play. So if you happen to tap one of them and they go in. Yeah, you don't pick up the balls on the course. You leave them, you leave all of them there until you're done playing. Yep. Or well, until you're done with that but hole. that balances out the advantage of going last. Well, now there's more obstacles on the well, course as well. The actually, so no, the balls do get picked up after you're done. When you're done. Turn. So when Steve hits his third ball, you go and collect the three that are on the course, and then I get to start. I think we should just leave them all out there. So I was thinking that too, but if you got four people playing, you're a garbage can out there. Oh my goodness! You I mean you, the the strategy would be so different because so a trash panda was there. You could you could actually be playing to block other players. You could I know you could put your first ball in, and then you could put the other two around. Well, and I was thinking about that because the bumper pool side of stuff because. Even eight ball. Yeah. How many times have you played, or nine ball, how many times have you played pool where you're like, hmm, I don't have a good shot, but I'm going to prevent somebody else from so easy shot in that hole, which now, if you think about it in the terms of golf, how hard is that? Yeah. How hard is that if you're going to play defense? So maybe, maybe we just need to go play this one time that way just to see what it's like. I, I'm always up for yeah. good games. <laughs> Let's go do that again soon. We'll have to in do that again. Florida? Hey, <laughs> let's go to the Tiger Woods course. We're, we're going. If we're going to go practice someplace yeah. and refine the rules of the game a little bit. Should have been there this last week. But the traditional game of ace putt is that you get three balls. And if it's a par two, you shoot two. And and you start with your two ball and, and your one ball after that. So you could potentially, and then the high score wins at the end. So it's not low score, like normal, traditional thing. And then within the app, and this, yeah, part, see, and, and this is where I love the concept behind Ace Putt because I have always thought that golf should be scored by how many balls you find as opposed to lose. <laughs> and high scores are really good. <laughs> well, no, I mean, think about it. It's like if you're on a course and you find – six balls through the course of your walking right. at 18-hole golf right. course, and you've lost two, yeah. you're at a net four. You should at least be able to take those you four off take the those four off the stroke right. or something. Right. It's like, I thought, oh, yeah. we're, that should be a... That's funny. Yeah, do that. It would slow down the, the pace of the game, though, because everybody who's a bad golfer would be walking the sides really slow to find extra... Oh, my wife got so mad at me one time. We were out at Bully Pulpit, and... Hey, hey. Did you afraid of the snakes? Yeah. Out of your carrying, you're fine. Um, That's I, a whole other round of golf I, I, right there. I, yeah. Oh, hey, we could add firearms. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, actually, the last hole, hole number 18 at Bully, if you're familiar with that, um, out in Medora, 
It's an elevated uh, green, and there's a bush right in front of it. And, of course, I hit my ball into that bush, my third shot. Boom, right? Yeah. And I went to get my ball out, and I found like 18 balls. Wow. In that one yep. hole. I'm I like, can believe that. Wow. They're all good balls, too. Nobody goes in there because there's snakes. Well, it's right there. I mean, I can see the clubhouse. What part of snakes don't you understand? Well, that's if you get way out of bounds. <laughs> it's not like I reach in and find a ball. You, you know, you, you take your club and poke around a little bit, and, and all these balls fell out. Oh, honey, I got bit again. Yeah. Here, would you suck the poison out? <laughs> Where'd it bite you? On the butt. <laughs> well. <laughs> but, honey. Yeah, that's right. How much do you love me now? <laughs> the life insurance paid up. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, at that point, it's not. <laughs> yeah. But, right, I understand the snakes if you get out of bounds, but this is like on the forest. This is on the course yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. No, but what a great way to score golf. Yeah. You'll have to have your own rules here. Steve's rules pretty soon. Yeah. Well, I used to be a really good well. golfer, and then now I'm not because I... It's all about practice, right? Well, yeah, it is. I mean, and actually, if, if you're going to be a decent golfer, you have to golf at least three times a week. If you're going to maintain four times, if you want to have some slight improvement, you need to golf... Five to six rounds a week if you're going to really improve the game. But the way I look at it is nobody's getting paid. Hit them till you like one. That's right. That's exactly right. This is the nice thing about miniature golf. You can improve and only put 30 minutes a week or 30 minutes a day into the game, right? And we're back. Don't miss a minute of the Tech Ranch as we explore the cutting edge of tech with Marlo and Steve. For more exclusive content, visit thetechranch.com. So... Check it out, acepuck.com, A-C-E-P-U-T-T.com. Website's up. Love it. App coming soon. App coming soon. And golf courses to follow. Golf course. So if you know, if you know. In your basement. Well, you're getting way far ahead. Okay. Miniature golf course. I do that. You know that. No, I know. You. Even during the break, (laughs) we were getting way ahead over. That too. So. Anyway, but if, yeah, if you know somebody who owns a miniature golf course or if you own a miniature golf course and you would be interested in having Ace Putt on your course, get a hold of us because we're starting to take names right now. When is it to the new level? Yeah. I mean, I, I just truly believe that this is going to, it doesn't change what you have now. So you can actually have regular miniature yeah. golf like you do now. This just adds another level, another choice when people come in. Uh, and we're hoping that on the business side of things that you'll have players come more often because this really is a lot of fun. And for those who are trying to practice, trying to get better at their putting game, it kind of does that. And, and of course the app with the leaderboards, cause now uh, this is what's crazy about this, right? The app will have leaderboards for the golf courses. So you can see who had the best score for the day, for the week, for all time. I can beat that. If you're, and that's right, right? So if you have the, if you're going after the best score for the day, maybe we'll have some prizes for, for scores on courses. We're going to tie national days into some of these. So it's national pizza day. If you get an ace on poll number five, you might want a free pizza from someplace. Well, think about it this way too. You know, with how big was golden tea when that first came out and every bar had one and, What's the first thing you do when you went and play golden tea at the bar? Oh, leader. Right. Because you know the people that are there. Yep. And you're like, oh, I can beat him. Yep. I got to beat him, you know, or her. Yep. You know, so 
that's the local side. Yeah, too. but it changes. Be cool. Yeah, the leaderboard is really cool. Changes this to an entirely different level, and it's a great opportunity um, to add something to your course without a great expense and without having to reconfigure an entire mini golf course. I would imagine, and I'm just thinking about the app right now, right? And I'm bringing this up to you because there's something for us to think about. We should be able to put a monitor up at the golf course where that'll show what the leaderboard is. Yeah. So we just pull the information from the app and just drop it right over to the, to this. So people, when they walk up, they can see that, that Justin's, you know, has the, is the lead for the day, right? Or for the week or for the month or for all time. I think that'd be cool. Absolutely. So something, I like it. Put it on, put it on your things of, of, it's on the list. Of the to-do list. That's to-do right. List. There you go. All right. CES. Holy cow. It did take us a while to get to that. Consumer electronics. But thanks for the last to our story about Ace Putt. Oh, by, a, by the way, yeah. if, if you do have a golf course or you're interested in the Ace Putt, uh, you can get aceputt.com or you can also go through the Tech Ranch website and reach out to contact. That's You could do that. You could do that as well. Since we're both involved in it. We're both involved with it. So if you forget the Ace Putt thing. Yeah, check us out at the Tech Ranch. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, my goodness. You know, I didn't get a lot of time there this year, unfortunately. Or fortunately, I guess. But we do have a lot of interviews lined up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we have so much that we're going to be doing in the future with, with CES and the new stuff that came out and this Yarbrough year. And all of that. So we're going to have a lot of lot of interviews coming up starting the end of this month. Uh, so stay tuned for a lot of that stuff. So Samsung... I am so excited about this feature. Very, very excited about this feature. And at CES over the last six or eight years, I've been watching the growth of interpreters, right? And, and, uh, you know, there are some, there's some handheld devices that you can, you know, like if you're traveling someplace, um, generally it would be England for me because I, I know they speak English. I just don't understand one of, <laughs> and they don't understand me, which is what I think is hilarious. But, when you go to countries that you do not speak the language, you know, you can have a handheld interpreter and it'll, it'll actually listen and then spout out, uh, what the other person said. You talk into it and then it. Well, and most people are going to go, but my phone interprets. So it's always to text, but no, no, no. So your phone dies. Very broken, very it's not, rudimentary. It's gotten much better over the last couple of years. But Google well, interpret is, is extremely rudimentary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the handheld ones, because they dedicate a lot more memory to them and that type of thing, are better. This is amazing. Simply amazing. I don't know how else to put this. Samsung in their Galaxy 24, so I have a Galaxy 23, right? In their 24s when they come out, we'll have an interpreter built into it. Really? So when you call somebody and they're speaking Italian, It'll actually, the person speaking Italian will, will speak. Or whatever inter- language. Whatever it is, right? Whatever language the telemarketer might be speaking. Yeah, exactly. And then it'll. Half the time I can't understand. It'll actually interpret that and then say it to you. You speak into the phone and it'll do the same thing back to them. How unbelievable is that? Wow. I'm telling you. It, well, and where it's really gotten crazy. Uh, you think about the interpreters involved at, at like a big national or international conference. Yep. And there's everybody's, you see everybody wearing. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the time. Yeah. Interpreters in back and there's interpreters interpreting for interpreters and all kinds. Of, these interpreter pieces now, the handhelds, they'll do multiple language conversations back and forth. You could have 
five, six, seven different languages all in one conversation. It's pretty Link. amazing. It's pretty amazing what is going on. And to me, the only thing really left is real time. And I'm sure, I don't know if we'll ever get to real, real time, but I think we'll get pretty close. So like when I'm talking to you right now, when I, say gig, the, right? when I say a particular word, it, what I'm thinking is probably going to happen is it's going to block out what I'm saying so that you don't hear me personally, but you'll just hear the interpreter and it'll just be like a word or two behind. So as I'm talking, like I'm talking to you right now, it'll just be a word or two behind and you'll hear the interpreter's voice uh, in the phone. And there'll be probably like that half a second lag at the end of it that you then would talk. Because right now, the person has to finish their entire convert or that that piece that they're trying to convey to you before the interpreter then takes off and says it to you. So you're always dealing with this lag that goes on, right? Uh, you deal with that. In broadcasting, you deal with that. With you know, There's a lag if you're listening back from the station. That's correct. Like, That's correct. It's, but it's gotten better. It's gotten better. Uh, but half a second is, is. But that's where I think it's really going to go because it's going to be very similar to the UN type of scenario. That is how I see this going on because the UN everybody's got the like you were just talking about. They got the earbuds in listening to the interpreter, and that interpreter is usually just a couple words behind what's being said. You know where there's no lag, like Star Trek, the Universal Translator. Yes. Have you ever stopped to wonder? Every alien race that Kirk and the Enterprise encountered spoke English. Well, have you ever watched it? It was the Universal Translator. Have you ever watched Enterprise when they were figuring that out? Yeah, that was always interesting. That was a great episode. That those well, some of there was three or four of them yeah. in there that were really, really good. So, but Universal Translator, yeah, yeah, yet, yet another thing from Star Trek. We're really getting close to that type of uh, communication, which is really, really incredible. It really, well, before you push a button and your roast beef dinner pops out of a computer box. Oh, that, that was very refreshing. It's just very sitting here. I didn't mean to delay for a second, but wow, that really hit those buttons. You see any of that? Because I, I know one of the just, pieces just, of CES this year was there was a food. Oh, yeah, there's 3D you printing know, food. Big going on. food. And we're going to get into that um, in the next segment here, the food stuff. But the food was off the hook. I've never seen so much in the food space category as I have. I mean, every year it's growing at CES, but this year was just literally off the hook. I can't wait till the next segment. Yes. Um, Universal Translator. Universal Translator. I don't... Did we have more to say about that? I don't know. Did you? I don't think so. Did you have more to say? No, I'm just waiting for the Star Trek version. Star Trek version. Yeah, 3D printed foods. Nice. That, that's becoming a thing. And, and so much so that they actually printed steaks. Did you try one? No, I didn't see it. Oh. Uh, people are really, really mixed about this because they're taking kind of this, they're growing this in a lab and then they're printing it. And then, and, and this is what's interesting about this. So it's, it's being printed and then shipped to steakhouses and, and things. So you can order a 10 ounce ribeye and they'll print it with a 3D printer. You, you can order 18 cases of it and then they'll, they'll send it to you that way. So again, with a 3D printer, it's about the medium, whether it's an epoxy or concrete, if you're building buildings or it's about the medium. And the first thing that pops into my mind, because I was reading a story a couple of weeks ago about 3D printed meat. And the first thing that popped in my head was that 
pink slime yep. that makes hamburgers yep. for some fast food chain. Yep. Like, is, They've gotten away from that, though, by the way. Yeah, Whatever so, time they but, were, yeah. Is the medium similar to something like that? So Because it's a protein-based... It is. Something. Yep. It's a good question. I still like steak. Chicken. So I, I'm just looking this up right now. Uh, made out of lab-grown stem cells, 3D-printed meat is an edible rendering of a meat-like product creating in a from an additive manufacturing process. Layer by layer, 3D print, printed meat is constructed or scaffolded, is how they call it, from a bio-ink that extrudes out of a 3D printer nozzle. So it's a bio-ink. And then it just goes back and forth, and, and there you go. These protein so you hack. Could, you could determine the marbling you like in your steak. That's correct. They do that. Yeah, they do that. You can You can have... You know, if, however you want the marbling to be. That's correct. That's the whole point. Much crap, they look like your prime rib. Kind of the whole point of this, other than the fact that you're not harvesting livestock. I mean, that's really the other thing. So, so, so people who have a problem with that, uh, and it just, it does make me wonder, like, if you are a vegetarian, I think some vegetarians are vegetarians simply because they don't want to butcher livestock. Right, they don't want to be eating, you know. So that's why they are Isn't vegetarian. That the difference between a vegetarian and a vegan. I, I'm not either. Like one will do eggs and yeah, yeah, yeah. One will do fish, but and we shouldn't be making light of it. I guess I just don't understand it. I that's so. I mean, I could easily. I'm one of those people that when I think about the process of harvesting meat, then I. I could go days without eating it. I could just eat celery stick instead. And I know celery. But you don't. <laughs> but I don't. Neither do I. So so there's that. Uh, but, I mean, you know, I always say my body is built on bagels, you know, so I I could live on those things. I, But, no, I couldn't. I mean, you need to have that protein, right? And, and that's if, the thing. That's if, the building blocks of life. What would you pick? This is kind of a Gilligan's Island thing. If if you could eat one thing and you had to eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Peanut butter. Peanut butter. <laughs> you don't get a bagel with it. It's just peanut butter. Oh, I can eat it straight out of the jar. Okay, just peanut butter. And I'm guessing that I could find other things to put it on, like leaves, things like that. <laughs> That's... That's the thing, peanut butter. Oh, look, that ant covered in peanut butter. <laughs> crunch, <Yeah>. crunch. <laughs> Mine would be steak. I just, steak. I, I could eat steak every day. I don't know about 3D printed steak. So before we say we would like it or not, we should just try it. Don't you think? Right. I think it would be interesting to try. So have you tried an Possible burger from Burger King. So I was at CES when they debuted this. Right. Was what, four years ago, five five years ago now, maybe. I mean, it was actually the debut. It was but, debuted be- long before it came out in the stores. Yes, and they had they were grilling this at the at CES, and and we were all like, they have food here. What? I mean, I'm serious. This is this was our thought. Why would you bring food to the largest? You know, uh, yeah, yeah, the tech show in the world, right? But there's a lot of tech involved in making in the Impossible Burger, right? Um, and I was, it was okay. I mean, now I, I wouldn't say that I thought it tasted like a burger, but it was pretty close. I mean, it certainly was better than, 
you know, if you're going for the burger type of thing, the bean burgers and everything else that we have, um, it was better than that. So, and it's become popular and it's really become popular like in tacos and things like that. I mean, even like Del Taco and, and those big companies now offer a vegetarian, you know, well, things where you're, you're possible beef or whatever. Okay. So if you're using meat based proteins versus plant based proteins, is it still vegetarian or vegan? Well, that I that's, see, that's what I question. don't know. And that's a great question. And now, if it's going to be a, like in a, a burger, say you're going to Taco Bell, and, or not that they do, I. But example, if you're going to go someplace like that, I think we should get an expert on this topic. Probably because I'd love to answer. I'd love to hear the answers yeah. to these questions because it's not with all the seasoning and stuff. You can bury a lot of stuff. It's like okay, it's it's a hot dish here. But if you're not if you're not taking an animal's life for food, right? I mean, that's I think that's the stickler to a lot of these things is that. So I don't know. I, I don't know how they would feel about it. Thanks for staying with us on the Tech Ranch. Let's rejoin Marlo and Steve as they guide us through the fascinating world of technology. What is the difference between a vegetarian and a vegan? According to NHS Inform, vegetarians don't eat any food products made from meat, fish, shellfish, crustacea, or animal byproducts. Vegans don't eat any food products that come from animals, including dairy products and eggs. Now we know. Now we know. So, since 3D printed meats do not come from... Right. So, by the definition of an animal, but where does the animal-based protein come from if you're using animal-based protein versus plant-based protein? So, three-dimensional printed meat is made from cultured meat, which means it is lab-grown, cell-based, or cultivated. So, there's no... Well, stem cells, that's from a, a an animal. But there's no living creature here in a traditional sense. Right. So would this definition change or definitions? Yeah, we, we're going to need to get some. We're going to need an expert. You know what? This is one of those things, though, we could probably ask 20 vegans and 20 vegetarians so, and, and get 20 different, 40 different answers. That would be actually fun to do. And and what would be really interesting is is like somebody who, you know, at some time, and I would imagine most people, once they just decide at some time in their life that they're going to be a vegan or a vegetarian, I would imagine some people grew up in a household that way too. And, well, and I know a lot of people have gone back and forth. Yeah. Because that nuance about the, the fish and the dairy and right. the eggs, and, and I know people that have switched back and forth from being vegetarian and being vegan it's changed so i would like to, that would be great i if anybody's listening to us and they want to weigh in on this topic i would love to hear this from somebody you know and and would they start eating 3d printed meat now even though they're a vegetarian or a vegan i think that would be fascinating it would i i, I still think the definition will change yeah and i think a lot of people you know, if you, there, there's something, like you said, about eating a steak or chicken or, or whatever that just hasn't been emulated by a vegetable. process. Yeah. All right, Meg, I'm going out back and throwing a steak on the grill and you can't replicate that part of it. Right. At least not yet. But, but we don't know. 
The thing is, we haven't, neither you or I have tried a steak from one of these 3D printed steak houses. I don't know what else to call them, actually, or uh, manufacturers, because they're they're not they're not processing meat in a traditional sense. So are so, they out for public consumption yet? Yeah. So you should be able to go online and order yes. a case. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I don't know. Uh, but I know that there's a couple of companies. I would like 14% marbling on my ribeye. I know there are a couple companies that are supplying their steaks to steakhouses. And it's a choice on the menu of if you would like to have one of these. And there's a demand for it because they can't keep up. So can you order them like Omaha Steaks? Go online? These are all good questions. Okay. And I'm writing them down. And we're gonna we're gonna debate this more in the next price point. And price point. Okay, stem cells are spendy. So this is our goal for our next show. We're gonna find a couple people to bring onto the show that can answer some of these questions. We're gonna get price points. And but I would like to know how it compares. Relatively available now, or is this an up and coming thing? I think it's up and coming because I don't think they can keep up with the demand. They're growing. Pun intended. Wow. <laughs> 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 no, not intended that time, but but uh, it kind of fit, didn't it? Uh, but the the industry itself is growing, and they're struggling to keep up with the demand for it right now. But it's a very it's just a burgeoning market. So so yeah. did the change come with three D printed meat? So from the stem cells, because there has been the plant base fake yeah. meat out for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Did the difference come where they're able to do the grown animal-based protein because of the 3D printers? I would say that the 3D printers brought that Problems along a lot. Shape and I want an inch and a quarter thick. That's stick. correct. I want yeah, yeah. the marbling. Yeah. I and whatever this, goes into this. This is the consistency that the, that they're after. So it was the printer side of it, that, that that technology that facilitated this. Because you can create what you can imagine. I mean, if you if you want star shaped steaks, I mean well, if you, you got a cup of green sir pink slime and Right. It's right. a printer that, right. that but it's, facilitated. It's, it's coming in looking like, you know, at least in my own, uh, what I've looked at so far, they look like steaks. So, you know, you throw them on the grill like a steak and, and uh, it sizzles like a steak. I mean, all of this is very reminiscent of cooking a steak. So, but we have to try it. So we're, we're going to. We're really going to check into this, everybody, and and uh, let's. I don't know if it's possible for next show, but we're going to try for next show. If we can order these, then and if we can't get them here by next show, then maybe we might postpone it until we get the steaks in. Because I'd love to try it. You know what and I mean? Talk about and it. then talk about it, and maybe even record what it sounded like when we were grilling them and things like that. Right. Because I think that would be a big deal. Oh well, again, going back to sitting on your backyard grilling a steak on the yeah. grill, it's the sound, it's yeah. the smell, it's the. So we'll try to make this happen. It, it, I'm writing this down right now so we don't forget. I mean, I'm not giving up the barbecue. Plus, we always get a cow every year. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I, I'm sure that just like, you know, 3D printed houses and how they could potentially disrupt the construction industry, uh, the carpentry industry, all of that, right? I'm sure that traditional food industries are looking at this as a huge disruption as well. And so there's going to be a lot of political headwinds that these companies are going to have to face moving forward. Whether it's good or not, I don't, I don't know enough about 3D printed meats yet to have a formed opinion of it. Well, the other question I've got is these are the things they're going to have to face. It's from a nutritional perspective. So I, I could see where they get the nutrition, but now, and, and this is the slippery slope. It's like, well, so are you going to add things to right. that nutritional right. value? Right. So, hey, I'm going to have this 3D printed steak, but I also get my servings of vegetables in there. You could ah, seriously, you you would. I never thought about that before from a from an additive perspective because people don't want to eat vegetables right. a lot of times. Right? So now you can add it in, like you, you can add, add all the food groups into this, and it's still going to taste like a, you. Can, so you eat the steak, like you like you add things to milk or whatever, right? Fortified with vitamins and minerals. That is, I have never thought about that before. So instead of having a multivitamin, you're going to eat a steak. You're going to eat a you're going to eat a steak, and, and it's going to say right on the label that a, that each each steak is the equivalent to two point five servings of vegetables every day. Yeah, the whole food pyramid. That would be insane. Interesting. It feels weird, though. It, I mean, it's it, it. You talk about paradigm shifts. I mean, oh yeah! It's like it's like all of a sudden we're eating food out of a tube, like astronauts do all of a sudden. Except that it sizzles on the grill, but it's got everything you need in this one amazing food. And how do you feel about eating that way? If you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. Welcome to January 20th on the National Day Calendar. Today, we're spending the turntables in honor of musical maestros and promoting the spirit of acceptance and inclusivity. The role of a disc jockey or a DJ started evolving in the early 20th century with radio, where they introduced and played music broadcasted over airwaves. With the rise of clubs and dance culture, DJs transitioned from solely playing records to skillfully mixing tracks and creating new music. On Disc Jockey Day, we celebrate the talent and creativity of these artists who revolutionized the way we experience music. You look a little tired today. Were you out listening to a favorite disc jockey last night? Maybe. Do you have a favorite DJ? From my youth, uh, there was a gentleman in a local station, maybe regional. Uncle Jack was my favorite. I like that name. Can I call you Uncle Jack? <laughs> Go ahead, Uncle Jack. Well, switching from the vibrant beats of DJ culture, we focus on a human value essential for harmony and mutual respect. The International Day of Acceptance promotes acceptance and awareness for people of all abilities. 
It's a commitment to social acceptance of disability and to celebrate people's abilities. This day encourages us all to look beyond disabilities and recognize the abilities and potentials that each individual possesses. never heard of this day until I actually started celebrating National Days. And I love this. What I love about culture is that I think acceptance of all has become a much more commonplace theme, at least in my lifetime. Because we're all equal at the end of the day. Everybody's the same, right? It doesn't matter. I'm Latoya Johnson. I'm Marlo Anderson. Thank you for joining us as we celebrate every day on Destination Celebration. Until next time, keep celebrating. Can you travel too much? Well, if you follow travel journalists or those travel influencers on social media, it's a fair question. I admit a certain amount of blaséness, if that's a word, can set in. I love Paris, but I've been there so many times since my childhood, the wow factor evaporated long ago. But the travel writer Sophie Roberts found the cure. From America's number one travel radio show, this is your Arm World Travel Minute. I'm Rudy Maxa. In a Wall Street Journal article more than three years ago, Roberts confessed she traveled so much she felt like, and here I quote, a piece of unowned baggage that went round and around the airport carousel, a dead weight repeating the same circuit as other travelers, unquote. Her cure? She had learned about a part of Siberia where folks moving away from the Russian Orthodox Church long ago went hauling old pianos. She decided to go find those pianos. It opened a whole new world, not many tourists in Siberia, and she even wrote a book about it called The Lost Pianos of Siberia. So find a place that is dramatically new to you and find a purpose for traveling, like hunting antique pianos, and see if hitting the road doesn't excite you again. More travel info at armworldtravel.com. It's Talk of the Town with Steve Bakken on Super Talk 1270. Join Steve weekday mornings between 9 and 11 for interesting local talk and special guests, plus your phone calls. Talk of the Town with Steve Bucket on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Talk of the Town thanks our sponsors Dakota Pharmacy, Benchmark Mortgage, Trademark Realty, Silver Ranch, Peak Automotive and Service, and Runnings. AM Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. ABC News, I'm Mark Remillard. After having charges dropped last year, a grand jury has now indicted actor Alec Baldwin on a charge of involuntary manslaughter for the 2021 onset shooting death of a cinematographer in New Mexico. Days before the New Hampshire primary, former President Trump getting an endorsement from a former rival, Senator Tim Scott. The next president of these United States, President Donald Trump. Candidate Nikki Haley saying that Trump is courting Washington insiders that he claims to want to drain from the swamp. Upheaval at Sports Illustrated as the company that maintained the brand's print and digital products told staff Friday that its license was revoked and employees will be laid off. Arena Group operates Sports Illustrated while owner Authentic Brands Group says it intends to keep the publication going. This is ABC News. 
A commuter plane making an emergency landing on a snowy highway near Washington Dulles Airport Friday. The Southern Airways Express flight departed Dulles Airport, headed for Pennsylvania with seven people on board, declaring a mayday just minutes after takeoff. Witnesses praising the pilot expertly landing the plane under traffic lights. Heard a loud noise, thinking you know, my car blew up or something. Um, and, you know, I look up and there's a plane 20 feet above me. Good Samaritans rushing to make sure everyone was okay. Amazingly, no one injured. ABC's Ariel Reshev. Former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo now suing New York's Attorney General, aiming to force her to release interviews from a sexual misconduct investigation against Cuomo that led to his resignation. Cuomo filed the suit arguing that he needs statements in order to defend himself against two sexual harassment lawsuits. Federal judge declined to release similar records in a suit filed by Cuomo last year. I'm Mark Remillard, ABC News. Super Talk 1270, Bismarck Area Weather. With your forecast, I'm Corey Hartman. For today, some blowing snow, winds gust over 30 miles per hour, highs near 12, wind chills well below zero. Temperatures around 10 for tonight and windy still. For Sunday, mostly cloudy, highs in the mid-20s. Around 21 with a chance of snow on your Monday. A new place to live, stay, shop, or play. Check out Worthington, Minnesota. It's worth a look. Currently, it's four. As we all fight to stay in shape and shed those winter pounds, we share tips on how to make easy recipes using meats already in your freezer. Foods that work with you rather than against. This is back with the outdoor show, The Bend. We have outdoor news and discuss headlines that you may have missed, plus have feel-good stories, too. Join us on The Bend right here, Saturdays following Ranch It Up on Super Talk 1270. It's all about the pets. Steve Dale's Pet World. Saturday afternoon at 4 on Super Talk 1270. Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. So I'm going to tell you right now that having my ice cream included in my steak not going to happen. No. So there is something about the steak, the mashed potatoes and gravy, the ice cream. Courses. There's something about courses. You can't combine it all together, right? Well, come on. Now, you've known people, though, that they got their plate of food and they mix it all together and they eat it. And then the rationale is like, well, it's all going to the same place anyway. Yeah, but there's nothing better like than that. Of course, there's nothing better than having mashed potatoes and gravy and and whole kernel corn. Well, it's okay to put gravy on everything and then mix it a lot. Food group. It is a food group, after all. That's what they should be 3D printing. 3D gravy. That's right. Warm, ready to go. Like mom used to make. I can run down to the butcher box down the street and say, Dan, I want a, <laughs> I want a cup of that gravy you just 3D printed. <laughs> but all right, slow down. It is a bit. Back it up. Is, it is interesting though, because if they could make it nutritious, 
you know, this is see this that's the nutritional side of stuff. So this is really interesting because yeah, I, I want, remember the conversation we had where I said, you know, my Gilligan's Island moment, where if you could only eat one thing ever yeah, again, yeah, okay, well, I my favorite food is steak, but eating just steak, you don't get all the nutrients right, that you right. need. And what what if you could? And what if ice cream really was good for you? Okay, I might have to shift steak to ice cream. I'm just saying, I mean, you think about this, right? I mean, what can you add to ice cream? What can you take out of it? How? What is in ice cream that isn't so good for you? Well, probably the biggest thing, I'm... Okay, side, you know, the, side note, have you ever had kelp ice cream? No. It's actually really good. Just throwing it out. What's the calorie count in that? It's ice cream. Who cares? Well, but that's that's kind of what I'm getting at but it, here. But, but it's more nutritious than traditional right, ice cream. Right, right, right. But think about it. So Dairy Queen is also ice milk. Yes. Which is different from ice cream. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, which I love, by the and way. And people that have lactic acid right. issues then. But there's ice cream, ice milk, gelato is its own category. I love that. But if you could have a, if you could but, have a whole right. rush of, of ice cream. Or something. Of, uh, that was like ice cream, right? And it only had 15 calories in it. And had like vitamin D and like your your uh, supplements that you were just talking on the break. I mean, what does that look like? Here, kids, have some ice cream. That that's it, Mom. I don't want to eat that. You would never hear that no. again. M- remember that Bill Cosby bit with the chocolate cake? I didn't see that. I don't think so. He's making breakfast for the kids, right? And he asked the kids what they wanted, right? And it was chocolate cake, right? And he was tired of the kids, so he rationalized that. But there's milk in chocolate cake, right? And there's wheat in chocolate cake, and there's eggs, eggs in chocolates, and even chocolate's not so it bad. It must be good for you. <laughs> so chocolate cake is okay for breakfast, right? <laughs> it's. Now it's ice cream. It, now it's ice cream. Now it's ice cream. Or it could be chocolate cake. I, the ice cream. Well, maybe pie. vanilla on... Hey, pie. Now, I don't know... I do pie. Now, I have an ice cream story I have to share with you now. You know, I know it's an ADHD thing going on again. What do you think the first flavor of ice cream was? I'm going to guess it was vanilla. Because of the way I asked the question, right? right? But you, it's the natural assumption, right? Well, because vanilla is the base for everything else. Now... At first, it was chocolate. Really? And they added vanilla to it for flavoring and to sweeten it up a little bit, right? And at some point in the 1800s, or that, it may have been the 1700s. Is but that when ice cream was invented? Somebody waited more. Oh, that day on my calendar. Yeah. And is there a National Day ice cream day? Yes. There is. One or two or eight of them. Uh, the. Somebody, somebody actually came out with an ice cream and they advertised it, no vanilla. Okay, so then this was a thing. And then somebody thought, well, I wonder what vanilla ice cream would taste like by itself. Yeah. So the natural assumption is, is that is the base of everything, but it was not. It was actually an afterthought that maybe vanilla should be on its own. And now, it's, of course, it's the biggest selling item. Well, and look at all the different flavors of vanilla there are. There are. Vanilla bean, New York vanilla, which is probably my favorite. French vanilla. French, Actually, French vanilla might be up there. French vanilla is yeah, pretty good. better than New York. So, anyway, I just find it, vanilla I find it fascinating that chocolate... 
uh, was the first ice cream, real ice cream, and they added vanilla to it <laughs> for the flavoring part. I just think it's hilarious. This educational moment yeah. brought you by French. Yes. <laughs> vanilla be infused with the good stuff with the specs in it. Then. Yeah. That's sprinkles, right? Yeah. Well, the vanilla that's ice cream specs. Uh, that's ice cream sprinkles. Well, they, yeah, they do the little scrape vanilla beans actually in it. All right. I don't even know. We're, oh, we're still talking about three. Hey, do, do you want to talk for a few minutes? Because I'm going <laughs> to run down the street to Dairy Queen while you're talking. And I'll, it would be the first time we've done that. No, it would so. be the first time we've, we've actually done that. It's like Dairy Queen break. Uh, we are the worst two when we're together. All right. So meat. Yes. And, and nutritional. These are all great questions. All food group. We're going to build a whole show around this, although we're almost getting to a full show on this already. So yeah. it's it's kind of funny. I find it fascinating that we're actually going down this track of what's possible, like added things to a steak. I mean, will they come up with a way, well, let's let's try this vitamin in the steak and see how it does. And it performs okay. And you're like, oh, well, look at that. Can we put whatever? Can our medicines be steak? Ooh, could you go to the pharmacy and they'll they'll say, well, yeah, your, your prescription is twelve of these ribeyes, and by the time you finish eating these ribeyes over the next four or five days, you won't have a cold anymore. Yes, is that possible? Would that be better than just taking a pill? I don't know if I get drank, eat ribeyes out of the twelve days. <laughs> well, I mean, they could have a whole meal thing for you. Right? I mean, here's your steak and mashed potatoes this one day, and the next day you could have, have chicken, and the next day it could be a pasta dish. Okay, so you, you know I cook for my dogs because they, you're healthier with a varied diet. You don't even cook for me. No, but well, when we get the steak, I'll, I'll grill the steaks when we get the fake steak. Um, so the <laughs> fake steak, 3D prints, <laughs> fake. It's not from a cow, so. It's just a different variant. Yeah. So, but I cook for my dogs because a varied diet is healthier. Yep. So, you know, and you see these advertisements for the farmer's dog and I've been doing that for decades. Right. Um, You cook for the dogs and actually in most places around the country, with the exception of the United States, Canada and England to a certain degree, um, pets eat what people eat. There's no such thing as dog food. Um, but think about the processed dog food and versus fresh whole foods. If you're cooking, the animal gets some of that as well. So, um, healthier, varied diet. I mean, how boring is it if you're eating the same thing every day? Right. I agree. Uh, right. So, what's this pop? Well, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw that out there. But you can vary the amount of butter you put on. That's true. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, you can yeah. change it up a little bit. A little more salt today. Yeah. Okay. So, but think about that from a, a space exploration. You know, so instead of, okay, hey, I just had tang or I'm sucking this tube of bread pudding because they label them. It's like, okay, it tastes like bread pudding. It's still, it's still, a, in a tube. It, it's still a pudding pop no matter what it is. <laughs> hey, I'm having a steak. No, you're having a pudding pop. Yeah. It, 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 that's the tube. But what if you're able to 3D print? And, and now think about the gravity and the food and everything else from a nutritional perspective on what it means to be in space. You know, 
somebody who's been up the International Space Station for a year has health issues when they get back. A lot of that's nutritional because you can't supplement everything. But what if you're able to 3D print anything you want or anything you need for a varied diet on the space station or on the moon or in Mars? Different. And all the nutrients are in there. One one issue that a lot of astronauts have uh, when they're in prolonged space is eye issues. Yeah. I, I would have never dreamed that, but they all have, almost all of them have some type of significant well, eye. think about your eye. It, it's fluid. Yeah. And what's the ramifications of not having gravity yeah. on anything fluid. It, yep. Things misshape. The, uh, you just gave me a business idea though. Uh-oh. Yep. Do that a lot. If we, if we sent beer into space and then there was a process where they could put the, like the, the case of beer outside or out in space, actually out in space for like three seconds because it's what? It would freeze. Well, you want it to not freeze. You need to work on that science. How long can I put it out there so it doesn't freeze? Just get chilled. Flash chilled. Flash chilled. You bring it back in, put it in the cooler, and you bring it back to Earth, and then you sell it flash chilled in space. <laughs> would you run it down in the elevator or the tether? Oh, yeah. Now, that might be a very strong Do you have argument any idea? for having a, a space elevator. We were just talking about the eye problems for being in space. Do you know how many beer goggles at closing time jokes just have run through my head? Can you imagine sitting in a bar <laughs> at the bottom of a space elevator? Do you want a cool space? Sure. Well, all right. We'll get it. Yeah. Cool. It'll take about 10 minutes, but uh, get your order in now because we've already sent a whole, you know, a couple cases up. So. Well, I actually just... Side note, do you know how we finance the space elevator? Do you know how long it takes to chill a a beer in an ice bath? Um, 40 seconds. Seven minutes. I was a little off. In an ice bath. But it is, but it is the quickest way to chill them. It is. You know, uh, having that water. Having have, water yeah, yeah. yeah. Seven minutes. Okay. Varies a little bit if it's aluminum or glass. Okay. But it's seven minutes to chill for an ice bath. Yeah, cool. Too many years bartending. Good to know that. Bars. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think are we done on the food thing for a while now? I don't know. I'm hungry. You have me off on a space elevator thing now, and I still want to go to Dairy Queen. (laughs) Well, you go give me some Dairy Queen then. I want. I just want a vanilla cone. I want a strawberry shake. All right. I think we got our order in. Maybe we can send Alice. Thanks for staying with us on the Tech Ranch. Let's rejoin Marlo and Steve as they guide us through the fascinating world of technology. More than 75 million people use Alexa. How many use the space elevator? Zero. Yet. We're going to get Anheuser-Busch to build one for us. (laughs) We're going to get a space elevator. That's right. Alternate ways to use a space elevator. I think chilling beer and wine and things would be a great way to do that. Oh, did I ever show you the picture when I was over in Switzerland of, of the wine kiosk? No. Oh, it was the coolest thing ever. We're, we're sitting in this bar in the hotel and the lights dimmed and there's this huge wine kiosk. It's like five stories tall and the lights dimmed and the music comes up and you're like, what's going on here? And then the wine kiosk, this, it's all lit up and it was like Cirque du Soleil. Because somebody ordered a bottle of wine, so they had this Cirque du Soleil type performer go up on this 
pulley system and go grab this bottle off of the fourth floor of wine wow. and doing the somersaults and the circus act right. stuff and come down and then went, here's your bottle service. It was crazy. 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 So we might not be far off. No. That's cool. Might be a little taller. Well, back to the original story. 75 million people use Alexa, but by Amazon standards, the service is a total failure. Really? Why? The problem is Alexa doesn't make any money, and the service is a huge drain on company resources. Apparently, Amazon has a last-ditch plan to save the digital assistant. I had no idea that this was even being thought about on the chopping, being put on the chopping block. How many people use Siri? I don't know the answer to that. Well, I mean, most people who have an Apple device probably use yeah. that, right? I mean, that's the whole point. And then, I mean, we have Google Assistant sitting right next to us here. Um, but I think Google, you know, the difference is, is that Google is, you know, part of Android, you know, as far as the phones go. So they probably monetize a little bit that way. Alexa, I would imagine the only monetization is the actual buying of the device. And after that, there's no monthly subscription or anything. No. So, so it's interesting. So, so does that mean the devices are going to get more expensive or there's going to be a monthly subscription? So maybe a little of both. Apparently Amazon has, okay, by, they're going to super, they're going to supercharge it with AI, which we've talked about before and charging you for the privilege of using it. Quantum AI, I'm assuming, right? But things aren't looking good, I guess. According to a report in Business Insider Thursday, the secret new Alexa barely works thanks to hallucinating AI. (laughs) Hey, Alexa, you just don't look good. (laughs) People have always wondered what Alexa looks like. Well, Alexa, you don't look good. You know, it... AI has really become interesting. So, and I'm going to back up a little bit. So, ChatGPT, when it first came out, you know, just over a year ago. Um, now there's, what, four or five Oh, there's generations? hundreds. Well, yeah, ChatGPT. Yeah, ChatGPT. But uh, there's hundreds of AIs that have emerged in the last year, of course. But the uh, um, but ChatGPT in particular was 96% accurate when it first came out. Latest reports are 60. Okay, so... With AI, it had to learn. That, that so was, that it's was still so learning. It's been right. learning, right? But so they had a cutoff. It was like September twenty first of twenty twenty one. So getting, it, it's going through a much accelerated version of idiocracy than what we are as humans, probably. And I think I think what's gone on here is because the dumbing down of society. You would type in a question, and it would come back and answer the question. But I don't know anything past September twenty first of twenty twenty one or whatever it was, right? I think that OpenAI, the company who has ChatGPT and Dolly and many other things, uh, I feel like they they succumb to public pressure and competition pressure and starting to move that timeline forward. And as we, well, maybe most people don't understand this, but the rate of information that doubles, you know, it used to be that you know, information just a hundred years ago doubled every every hundred years, mm-hmm. and then it was every eighty two years and forty two, and then it was eighteen months and now twelve months. And um, I've in fact I'm going to now to minutes yet. It's it, with AI it's so fast. Um, I'm actually going to look it up right now, but it's because of of what we're learning, uh, and computers. It is just 
the information that we're getting is is just. So is it turning so, into kind of a Wikipedia? Happen, okay, so this Wikipedia it changes all the time, and, and it's not always accurate. People take it as accurate, but it's not always accurate. So is that the danger with AI that it could be going down that road? This, it's not stunning accurate. This is stunning. I'm just telling you. In in 2018, double knowledge is happening every 12 months. In 20 in 1945, the rate was 25 years. It's now 12 hours. Wow. So six years ago, it was at 12 months. Now it's 12 hours. I, I love how you just stopped too. Hey, so think of all the knowledge in the world, and in 12 hours from now, it's going to be twice as much. That's correct. And the thing is, is that it doubled. So you went from one to two in 12 hours, and now you're going to, and then it doubles again. So now you're at two to four. And they'll tell two friends, and so on, and so on. That's crazy. Okay, so... I don't even know how to respond to this. I, I, I feel, and I felt this for a while, that there's just, there's, it's impossible to keep up with everything. Is there a finite amount of knowledge, though? That's the question. I don't know. But even the human genome... Right, why? Like I don't know. Because knowledge begets knowledge. The more you learn about something, the more you can learn about something. Right? Or, or, or it becomes, and I'm just going to use the cell phone, for example, right? What we used to carry around as a device just to talk with is now a device that takes us where we want to, orders our food, takes photos, does all this stuff. So it, it and it will continue to progress. Right, this device just so I I just feel like knowledge is the same way that as you as you learn more, it, it, it the ability for you to create different things happens, and then you learn more from that. You so, know I what know. voice is going through my head right now, and from what movie, right? Well, I can think of a couple, but what are you thinking about? Joshua from War Games. Oh, yes, and then finally it just shut down and went. You want to play chess? It learned all it could learn. Right. So is AI in that same, is there a point, is is there a finite point of knowledge where it will have learned all it could learn? I'm oh, still, you're, you're quiet now. I'm still <laughs> grabbing on this. I, I, I find it, what's the rollover? I find it unfathomable that we're at a point where we're doubling our knowledge every 12 hours. That's just, that's just unbelievable. You and I need to pick up the pace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, we're, we're a little behind the curve here, Marlon. Oh, there, there's no doubt that I'm learning, but I'm, but, but my, not at that pace, but my, my uh, capacity for storage is full. So I have to forget things as things go into Come it. Right on, now. I you're, need an upgrade. Reboot. I need, I need an upgrade in order for me to keep up with this doubling every 12 hours. I need something to happen here. So, well, you're only using 10% of your brain. I use 11. Okay. I thought you were closer to 12. 11 point something. You can round it to 12. Or like four. <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel like I used it more than I should, actually. I need to take a break. There are days. Yeah. Depends on how much coffee you have. That is true. That is true. You're listening. Technology comes alive. Let's dive back into the conversation with Marlo and Steve. And don't forget to check out thetechranch.com for more. So the reason that information is doubling so fast, and this is just an estimate, by the way. So I was just digging into this a little bit more. Um, But it's the Internet of Things. Think about it. We talked about that. So there are, and I don't know the numbers right at the top of my head, I think there's like 2 billion computers in the world. So one out of every three people has a computer. One out of every three and a half people. Well, now I don't know if they're including smart devices, smartphones, whatever into that list. But Well, if you think about your cell phone, it, it's, it's smarter a computer. than a computer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a computer. Your, your so, smart watch. But, but there are th- 20 billion Internet of Things. Think about that, though. One in three people have a computer right. slash smart device. Take a look at the world population. So how many people have more than five? More than. That is true. And I would fall into that, right? Where I have a lot of devices or I have a lot lot of of computers. So people have multiple devices, not, okay, one in every three people. Right. No. So there's that. Most people have more than one if you got one. But it's 10x the Internet of Things. Right. Yeah. And growing at an exponential rate. Every 12 hours? Not every 12 hours, (laughs) but it's growing pretty fast. you know, so you think about it, that's, and that's the reason that we went to the IPv6 protocol instead of four, which added four more numbers to the end of, of, um, domain. Oh my goodness. I should be thinking better right now, but the, uh, your, your domain name. You're back down to 10% of your brain. I am. I just, just like that, move back down. But it, uh, um, it's just a series of numbers. So if you ever look at the actual, like if you type in facebook.com, right? It's not facebook.com. It's an one, IP address. One, it's an IP address. That's correct. Yeah. It's like a telephone number. Yep. Which is why, which is why the internet has always been a tele, um, communication device and has fallen under that regulatory since the beginning because it's basically a telephone number. Glad it dial up. That's yeah, start. That's true. It's that's true. Number. And at some time, somebody said, "Well, it would be easier to remember names than it would um, numbers." And for the most part, that's true. Hey, Bob. Bob dot com. Yeah, Bob dot Bob dot org. I mean, they came up with all these different extensions and thought that would be easier. So that's how it came to be. But the underlying is that there's still, if you went to Facebook, actually, it's it, easier. It's a redirect. Well, when it when it's one, it's relatable to you and I, but from a technology perspective, it's not easier. the 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 numeric is the easiest. That's yeah, but if you to, but if you have, I mean, these are twelve and sixteen digit numbers. It's not like a phone number that's ten, right? So these are longer, and you use a lot more of these during the day. I mean, I go to eBay, Facebook, Instagram, um, National Day Calendar. Uh, the tech ranch. I mean, you go to all these websites, right? And I can just rattle them off and I can just say, I'm looking at the things around me right now. I can go to A&W Rupier. I can go to HP. I don't have to remember that HP is 1843845629437, right? But again, it's the relatability for us from an actual practical function. The number's easier from a tech side. 
So the technology using that numeric name, that's the, there's no way you could have enough names to, to manage everything that's out there. Which is probably why there are all the uh, domain extensions exist. Dot com, dot net, dot org. And now you can have boutique extension. You know, if you're an FM dot radio station, for example, you could, I can do that. Stop. Yes. I, or dot Steve, stop kicking me. Sorry. Do you want more? I mean, I can give you more caramel corn here if you want. Um, can people hear me? This is why we should have had ice cream. Yeah, ice cream. <laughs> because well, you, it doesn't make as much noise, right? You're kind enough to bring me a A&W root beer so I could have made a root beer float. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and um, the reason we have popcorn later on here is so this National Day calendar's birthday a few days ago. And, of course, it was founded on National Popcorn Day. So we got popcorn, popcorn laying all over the place here yet uh, from that. So that's a good thing. It is a good thing. I love popcorn. Me too. Mm-hmm. I see Chris had some white cheddar popcorn laying on his desk. By the time the show's over, he might not have any of that left either. <laughs> but we're working on his caramel corn right now. You need me to distract him. So how do you pronounce the name of this stuff? It's Grubber... Something Stopper. I have to look at the bag. We'll have to go look at the bag. We'll have to give them a shout-out because it's pretty good. That's really good. So, and we're having the caramel right now. So thank you to Grubber Spots. Grubber Spots? Yes. Okay. I know it's made in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Up by the Devil's Lake area, I think. So, yeah. Good stuff. Thank you for sending us popcorn. Appreciate it. Um. All right. Other things at CES, we have. Yeah, that took place, didn't it? Yeah, that did take place. And there's food there. Lots of food. Should we just stay on the food thing? We'll stay on the food thing for a while before we get to other stuff, since we've pretty much oh, started. We're eating. We've talked about 3D printed steaks already. Um, lots of robots this year making food. Chefing it up. Oh, my goodness. When I say a lot, I mean a lot. Well, think about whole section at CES was robots cooking. Now, are we talking the commercial level or are we talking in home? Mostly the commercial level. Right, because there's been a lot of push on that because of workforce and the cost yep. of workforce. And, and, and the most of them are specialized. And the, yeah. Like so, stir fry. There's, there's a robot that just makes stir fry. Like stir fry. And there's a robot. That makes and serves ice cream. So does and that might be coming to our shop here. Yeah, Alice and Amy are all over this ice cream robot. So the stir fry one. Does the robot is it able to like shoot the sake across the room for you <laughs> into your mouth? Does, does it, I mean, how good is this robot? And 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 make the flaming onions and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know about that. Okay. Because you'd have me there. You're talking about my, like a Mongolian stir-fry with the chef right there. Right. You got there it. are places that actually serve stir-fry that don't put the show on, you know. I know it's hard to believe. I found this place in Pahrump, by the way. It's so good. It's so good. Blazing Saddles. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Pahrump, Nevada, by the way. Yes. And, and oh, my goodness. And I can't get over how they can. I don't know how they make it for the price they sell it at. It's just unbelievable. But anyway, and I'll tell you the name when I can remember it. Because I know how to get there now, but I don't remember it. The, uh, that was my grandma's. Uh, so there was that. There was the hamburger cooking one. And that restaurant that 
that deployed the first hamburger cooking robot. Uh, they were, they had labor force issues, which is why they were, the well, way they put it in. with this fast food is really embraced. Um, and some large fast food chain yep. are embracing technology to offset some of these workforce issues. Right. And what they found is consistency, quality control. Well, all of this, right? And this is the thing that I think, not to get political, but when when you start when you when you start having government again getting involved in some of these things, and I don't they care what I don't I don't care what side of the fence you're on with this. This, but this is just the reality of this, right? I mean, if you're going to have a state that mandates twenty five dollars an hour, for example. You can't, you know, the price point that your customer is going to be able to buy your product for, right? I'm not paying $18 for a Big Mac. That's correct. So then McDonald's is going to say, well, there's no way for us to sell a Big Mac and French fries for $9.99 if I have to pay the whole team $25 plus dollars an hour. So you know, how can I? And you doesn't exist anymore? Yes. So how does, how does McDonald's combat with that? With technology, so now well, they, have, they were they one of the first kiosks, kiosks, and, and and now they're everywhere. I mean, almost every McDonald's has an ordering system kiosk. They they push people to ordering on the app, right? I mean, it's just like when you go up to the drive-through, are you ordering on the app? And you you can say yes or no. If you say yes, what's your order number? And you just tell them that, and it's ready for you. I mean, it's they've really taken advantage of technology, and they will be one of the first, I'm sure, to take te- take advantage of technology in the kitchen as well, because they cannot they cannot keep their their cost to their customer at the level that they know that the customer is at a comfort level for it. I am not going to spend I'm just telling you I would have a really really tough time going to McDonald's to spend $25 for a meal. I just I just can't do it. So remember so. this and and I remember the marketing time and this was over a decade ago when and it was Hardee's went to the the thick burger and the six dollar thick burger and everybody's like I go to McDonald's and off the dollar menu get two cheeseburgers. I'm not paying six dollars for a thick burger. It's hamburger. But they market it as restaurant Quality, right? Because you have no problem going to a, a higher end restaurant and paying twelve dollars for a hamburger. That's correct. Lunch, That's right? correct. So that was their marketing yep. strategy. We may not sell as many of them, but we're going to make more money, right? Now, when a Big Mac actually costs eighteen dollars, how far off were they? They weren't not far at all. They weren't far off at all. But ten years ago, everybody freaked out. I'm not paying six dollars for a hamburger, but yet you had no problem paying nine at the restaurant or. 12 at the restaurant or 15 now at the restaurant. So from a marketing and cost of doing parties wasn't far off. And the only way, I shouldn't say the only way, because you're going to have restaurants that are going to be fully staffed with people. There's no doubt about it. But for them to stay somewhat competitive, because this is the thing with restaurants and whatever, right? The food cost in a full service restaurant is actually one of the least costly things in the place. Most of them run that 20 to 22% area, right? So when you have everything else going out of control, 
Um, or in order to keep that margin where it's at, it, let's say it's 22%, right? And your food costs have gone up 40% in the last year. The, you take, you take that multiplier across the entire thing and it gets out of control, like right now. But it's about a paradigm shift because I know you're, don't answer because I know where you're at, but how many people would be okay with, I'm going to save money at my favorite restaurant because this robot's going to, I mean, we've already got it to a certain, you can order off that little pad right on the table yeah. a lot of places. Yeah. So now you've got a robot that comes and does that and you order right there. And then that robot brings out the food. I mean, at some point it's like, oh yeah, I ordered that. And you grab that plate off of that tray that the robot brings out yep. because you don't have a server anymore. Right. But going back to the Hardee's thing, what Hardee's was tapping in in, People will pay for quality, just like people will pay for service. So the rationale behind that thick burger and the $6 thick burger was people will pay for quality. Well, you got a bigger burger and you think about right now what's going on with shrinkflation. And okay, so you're not paying $18 for a Big Mac, but that other hamburger that you're still paying fairly close to what you were paying before, is it the same size? No. But Hardy's tapped into the quality side of stuff. People will pay for quality, just like people will pay for good service. I mean, do you tip more if you get good service? Generally. Drives me nuts at places that automatically, here's the tip. Well, what if they were a crappy server or what if they were an exemplary server? I'm going to tip an exemplary server more. I drive. That, but but that, that the whole tipping thing is another. That, that the whole yep. methodology behind this paradigm shift going to a robot serving your food or a robot cooking your food. I think the tipping thing, we're going all over the place here. Robot? Well, that's an interesting question. Notice how we both got quiet all of a sudden again. Um, Here's a little 30 weight oil. All right. Because, so, I'm going to digress just a little bit here. We're going to get into this topic pretty heavy all of a sudden, I think. Um, and we've talked about this before, but it's been a while. So I want to, I want to hear your opinions on things now. So yeah, that's, so you're, you're at a full service restaurant and your food was brought out by a robot. Your food might have even been cooked by a robot that you may or may not know, right? You are having a conversation with some wait staff. You know, somebody probably along the line or the, or somebody maybe. came by and maybe, but odds are pretty good that a you're host still, host yeah, host something maybe. right, right? So when it comes time to tip, I mean, are you gonna, are you gonna go by the standard 20%? Absolutely not. Because it's the restaurant that's gonna make that money then, not right. the server anymore, because the server doesn't care because they're a robot. So I think that's really interesting. Welcome back to the Tech Ranch. We're thrilled to have you with us as we continue exploring living with technology alongside Marlo and Steve. So you walk into a convenience store. You purchase some gasoline. Now, I know a lot of times you pay at the pump, but in fact, I don't know if any place anymore that doesn't. You almost Is there any place left around, even around our neck of the woods now that you don't pay at the pump? Most you pay at the pump, but what I don't like when I travel, especially, are... Because you got to remember the margins on gasoline are pretty thin. Right. Um, convenience stores make their money off. Off what's inside. Yeah, what's yeah. inside. So 
if you stop for gas while you're traveling or even around town, and unless you have to go to the bathroom, do you go inside? Generally not. Yeah, because if you have to pay at the pump, because there's places that either you prepay or you pay at the pump. If I have to prepay, I'm going in the store once. Mm-hmm. And if I pay at the pump, I'm not going in the store at all. I think it's been... Uh, I like the interaction with the... You know, I get gas at pretty much the same place all the time. So I I know the people. I right. like the interaction. I I like to visit with them and and support them. And But if I'm traveling and you either have to go in and prepay, which drives me nuts. Yep. Or I'm like, fine, I'll pay at the pump and screw you. Right. I will drive down the street to get get a pop or yeah. get something else. I I think, I don't know who the, now we're getting way off topic here again, but we don't do that. I don't know who the person, the higher up person had decided at one time that, that I'm tired of dealing with the one drive off a week or whatever. And at the time, well, and even now, I mean, if it's, it's a hundred bucks, I'll just say it's a hundred dollars. You got a big truck and it costs a hundred dollars to fill it up and somebody drives off, right? It doesn't happen that often. I mean, it happens. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it doesn't happen that often. So you you are somehow or another in your mind, you've justified that you don't want to lose the money on the gasoline. So you lose the money on the sales inside instead. Because yeah. when I went inside, I never, I would never buy just gasoline. I would get a Diet Coke or a bottle of water or whatever it was. Right? Yeah. Back I mean, that's the, the way it was. Yeah. Five bucks. Yeah. Boom, five Guaranteed five bucks every time I watch. So you're talking about um, let, let let's just let's just say that a hundred customers, a hundred more customers a week would come in, uh, because they had they had the option of paying inside, right? And I don't think that's a big exaggeration at all. No. And those hundred customers would buy two dollars worth of stuff, and because the margins on the stuff are very very high in a convenience store, you get your hundred bucks back. Real fast here on this deal. I just don't. I've never understood the logic of that. Now there might be some areas that it makes that it makes sense. I mean, I can think of areas that I've traveled to in this country that you probably would want to have a pay at the pump thing because it's a significant issue. But where you and I live, I mean, it would make the news when somebody would drive off. A lot of times, that's how infrequently it would happen. So just saying. But anyway, okay. So you you walk into a convenience store, you you purchase your Diet Coke, okay? And the person who's at the till goes, um, as you, as you're about ready to pay for it. Now the screen will ask you a couple questions. That's how that always is, right? They'll ask you a couple questions, uh, before you can buy in. The first thing that pops up is the tip screen. $1, $2, $3. At a convenience store? You have not run into this? No. And then you're like, you look at this and you're like, I got a uh, I got a two dollar or three dollar bottle of pop here, and and you're gonna ring it up, and you want me to pay one, two, or three dollars for a tip? Now I've seen the Roundup for charity. Yeah, no, no, this is this is an actual tip, tip screen. Tip your ringing up your Diet Coke. No. Well, the little no option is really in the bottom far right, or you hit the or you hit the red X on there, which sometimes cancels the transaction. And you got to start all over and look even more like an idiot. <laughs> you did that. I am. I, can, can neither I, can, I, nor deny. This is the thing about this. 
I tip everybody. Yeah. I'm a, I am, and I'm not saying, I mean, even like the, the bus that takes me from the airport to my rental car, there'll be 50 people on that bus. I'm the only guy tipping the guy. Yeah, I, I, I do that. I do it all the time. Fact, driver? Absolutely. A lot of times if, if I'm the last one off, if I'm not in a hurry, I usually just wait because I, I want other people are in a hurry or whatever. And I'm, you know, I'm about the human experience anyway. And I'll just watch and I'll just, and I'm like, you're kidding me. Everybody got off the bus and didn't give this person anybody, any money. And that person's handing out the luggage and stuff. I'll, I'll give them a $20 bill for that kind of work, right? Well, it's kind of like the, the, the little shuttle carts in the, in the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Going from gate to gate. Yeah. Uh, for people that need a little extra help or if it's really tight. Exactly. And those are free. Yep. Who, how many people tip and how many people don't? Yeah. Cause I've seen people just not tip. I'm like, you're supposed to tip on. Yeah. But anyway. Get back to your gate on time. The, the point I'm getting at here is that I tip. I have no problem tipping. But I'm even at the point right now where when I walk into a convenience store and you're expecting me to tip, that is, I, it just. All right. And, can and, can and, people tip me? Can can Will they tip us for our show? Can we can we put a little thing out there that says, hey, we. Or just. just you know, if you're listening to us digitally, that it just pops up, and and okay. in order to listen a little longer, you have to pay two dollars now. I mean, will that work? Okay, but you just said something that, and this is my key: expected. When it's expected, because I I equate that as like you're panhandling, you're you're begging for money. No, I will tip you commensurate to the service that I receive. Sure, out of the kindness of my heart. Don't expect it. Right. I'm a good tipper. A lot of but people don't expect it. A lot of people are at the point now where it is expected. It's expected. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So the but this is what I was getting to, I guess. I believe that technology has driven us to this. And the reason I say that is that a lot of these terminals now, and I'm just going to pick on Square. Square is popular. Square is a uh, a merchant that that uh, allows, and you'll see this. Square is huge, like in coffee shops, right? They got the pad. We have one here. Yep. You know, and uh, when you get computer repair done or whatever, right? So you, yeah, you schools, they're, they're yeah, every, they're everywhere, right? You see them at conferences, they've, and they've really changed the game. Deal. And yeah. PayPal and even regular merchant accounts now have had to really add up to this technology because you don't need this big point of sale That's tilt anymore. You can use an iPad yeah. or your phone, yeah. or you can be at a flea market and yep. use and, and take credit cards now. It's a big deal for a lot of vendors. Just huge, right? So Square, I'm sure some executive there said, we should figure out a way where we can transact, make the transactional uh, fee on tips. Because, okay. So now you're tipping Square, not tipping. Well, you're tipping the person, but they get the transactional fee from it, right? So if, they're, if they get 3%. So there's two transactions instead of one they're getting paid on. Right. So if you if you buy the Diet Coke at three bucks and then most people, and this is what's funny about this, you give them a choice of one, two or three dollars, what do you think most people pick? One. Two. Two. Because three is too much. One makes you look like a cheapskate. So people pick two. It's almost 80% picked a two dollar button. See, now I round up because I always do the other. Because gotcha. I round up to a whole dollar amount. Right. So it's whatever I'm tipping and the change. Okay. So, but I'm just, so they're getting, they're making that 3% on the $2, right? 
And that's what's going on here. So they get an extra six, six cents on that or whatever. But when you take it over millions of transactions a day, that becomes, or hundreds of millions of transactions a day, that becomes a pretty significant profit center. Well, credit cards, they work on fractions of pennies. Fractions of pennies. Yep. And, and any little fraction you can get where you can get a, a sales increase a little bit, you make more money on that. And that's what they're after. If you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. The Tech Ranch. Super Talk 1270. And now, time for this week's edition of Ranching Issues. Here's Neil Roberts. Welcome to another edition of Ranching Issues. Our guest this week again is NDSU Extension Forage Specialist James Rogers, the North Central Research Extension Center. And James, it's our first real cold snap this past week, and I know you have advice for feeding cattle under these conditions. Right. So when temperatures go down or wind chill factors go down, the energy needed for those cows go up. The heat of digestion helps keep them warm, but we also want to keep quality forage into them. And this is another benefit of forage testing. We mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. But if you know quality of your forages, you can save back those high quality forages for use during these times of really cold weather and adverse conditions more on feeding with cold temps when we come back. Four Bears Casino now has Vegas-style sports betting at our on-site sportsbook. Place bets with our staff or at the self-serve kiosk and watch the action in comfort right up to the final moment. Out of the nine. Two uh, minutes left on the clock. And block. down the stretch. He's at the 30, the 20. From way down. T. Good. Go. All the back, way. Back, 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 and gone. No matter how you play it, it's game time. Sportsbook at Four Bears Casino and Lodge, four miles west of Newtown. It's easy to put off saving for retirement, but it can be even easier than you think to start. And once you do, you can feel more confident about your future. As a financial professional of Thrivent, let me help you define your financial goals and take realistic steps to help you reach them. It comes down to making choices about your money that match your values. Because even small steps can get you where you want to go. Contact me, financial associate Andy Laris, at 701-509-5794. Talking feeding cattle under sub-zero conditions today on Ranching Issues with James Rogers. And James, keeping your cattle out of the wind can really help as well, right? So that's one thing that you need to consider is wind breaks for your cattle and getting them positioned correctly so when we do have that blowing, drifting snow, it doesn't make conditions even worse for them. So placement of those wind breaks, drainage is a good thing to consider even now. Things are going to get frozen, but if we have those lots shaped, we have a place they will thaw out eventually, a place for them to get up and get out of the mud when things do thaw out. Water, access to water, good water is very important as well. So everything, forage testing, wind breaks, little extra feed, extra energy to keep those cows warm are all important during these conditions. Good stuff as always, James, and that'll put a wrap on this one. Until next time, I'm Neil Roberts. You've been listening to Ranching Issues, brought to you in part by Andy Laris, your thriving financial advisor in Minot, by Four Bears Casino and Lodge near Newtown, North Dakota, and by Bremer Bank. Contact Bremer for your egg banking solution.
It's Talk of the Town with Steve Bakken on Super Talk 1270. Join Steve weekday mornings between 9 and 11 for interesting local talk and special guests, plus your phone calls. Talk of the Town with Steve Bakken on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. Talk of the Town thanks our sponsors Dakota Pharmacy, Benchmark Mortgage, Trademark Realty, Silver Ranch, Peak Automotive and Service, and Runnings. Hello, North Dakota. Joe Giganti, host of the regular Joe Show, now heard weeknights, 9 to midnight, here on Super Talk 1270. Together we'll tackle the hottest topics, be it politics, entertainment, or the culture, unapologetically through the lens of true conservatism, all while remembering to laugh and have a little bit of fun. You know, live life boldly. The regular Joe Show, weekday evening starting at 9 on Super Talk 1270 and the free Super Talk 1270 mobile app. LXX AM, Mandan Bismarck, a Town Square media station, broadcasting from the View Community Credit Union Studio. ABC News, I'm Mark Remillard. After having charges dropped last year, a grand jury has now indicted actor Alec Baldwin on a charge of involuntary manslaughter for the 2021 onset shooting death of a cinematographer in New Mexico. Days before the New Hampshire primary, former President Trump getting an endorsement from a former rival, Senator Tim Scott. The next president of these United States, President Donald Trump. Candidate Nikki Haley saying that Trump is courting Washington insiders that he claims to want to drain from the swamp. Upheaval at Sports Illustrated as the company that maintained the brand's print and digital products told staff Friday that its license was revoked and employees will be laid off. Arena Group operates Sports Illustrated while owner Authentic Brands Group says it intends to keep the publication going. This is ABC News. A commuter plane making an emergency landing on a snowy highway near Washington Dulles Airport Friday. The Southern Airways Express flight departed Dulles Airport, headed for Pennsylvania with seven people on board, declaring a mayday just minutes after takeoff. Witnesses praising the pilot expertly landing the plane under traffic lights. Heard a loud noise, thinking you know, my car blew up or something. Um, and, you know, I look up and there's a plane 20 feet above me. Good Samaritans rushing to make sure everyone was okay. Amazingly, no one injured. ABC's Ariel Reshev. Former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo now suing New York's Attorney General, aiming to force her to release interviews from a sexual misconduct investigation against Cuomo that led to his resignation. Cuomo filed the suit arguing that he needs statements in order to defend himself against two sexual harassment lawsuits. Federal judge declined to release similar records in a suit filed by Cuomo last year. I'm Mark Remillard, ABC News. Super Talk 1270, Bismarck Area Weather. With your forecast, I'm Corey Hartman. For today, some blowing snow, winds gust over 30 miles per hour, highs near 12, wind chills well below zero. Temperatures around 10 for tonight and windy still. For Sunday, mostly cloudy, highs in the mid-20s. Around 21 with a chance of snow on your Monday. A new place to live, stay, shop, or play. Check out Worthington, Minnesota. It's worth a look. Right now, 6 degrees. Hey crew, join me, Jeff Tigger, Earhart, Rebecca Warner, a.k.a. Beck, and my crew as we share how to keep scours from affecting your herd this calving season. Red Angus enthusiasts, step up, we introduce you to Wassum Red Angus. 
news, markets, and more on this all-new episode of the Ranch It Up Radio Show, Saturday at 5 p.m. here on Super Talk 1270. News, talk, and sports for Bismarck Mandan. Super Talk 1270. Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. Welcome to the Tech Ranch, where we explore the world of living with technology. Get ready to take a deep dive into the latest gadgets, apps, and innovations with your hosts, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson, and his trusty co-host, Steve Botkin. Join us on this exciting journey, and don't forget to visit thetechranch.com for even more exclusive content. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Marlo and Steve to the Tech Ranch. Chris joining us on the Tech Ranch, and uh, okay, Chris, I want to talk a little cybersecurity for a few minutes because I just downloaded um, Windows 11 on a, a new computer uh, that I just set up, and okay, I, I'm there's so many different things out there, and they're all a little confusing. So by default, I'm kind of that guy that goes, yeah, well, Windows Defender is pretty good, so that that's kind of always been my my go to fallback on. Uh, security systems. Am I right or am I wrong? Well, the answer is both, I would say. Because anything that's free is always going to have less diligence. Less diligence. Be a good word. You pay, what you pay what you get. You get what you pay for. Yeah. It's free. It comes with a computer. I think it's providing the bare minimum of protection for your computer. Well, Windows now has that S whatever. Right. And that's supposedly supposed to be great now. Okay. Now let's go. Let's talk about that. I think Windows 11 has several flaws in how it defaults its security. If you have Windows Home Edition, Windows 11 Home, and I I know this because I've worked on several Windows 11 computers that are starting to come into our computer repair side of the business here. S mode locks your computer down so that the only things you can install are from the Microsoft App Store. <laughs> Period. Will not let you download a single thing from the internet and install it. None. We sell a McCloud Venmo. If you want to if you want to if you want to download it from the their website or access it from their website as opposed to the store. Cha-ching. You got to go through Microsoft. Now, we sell... See, now, ESMO has been touted as, hey, this is the be-all, end-all for cybersecurity for your device. If you are an elderly individual... Like me. Who <laughs> who clicks yes to everything. Oh, not me. And but without reading the terms of use or anything like that. Oh, the EULA. Yes. Who reads EULAs? I don't. Yeah, nobody reads a EULA. Uh, but the very bottom... You're my firstborn child. That's fine. It's... In the There's a joke. There's a movie that came out called the um, the Magic Door or something like that recently, and it's pos and its um, main tenet was that at the bottom of every single eula was a statement that you're handing your soul over to the devil, and then the devil comes to collect. <laughs> so anyway, back to Windows S mode. I think if I you are a golden fiddle, what the heck? It, if you are just using it. For email or Word, you have to have a Microsoft account 
mm-hmm. to create, to log into Windows 11 at all. If you're using OneDrive or Microsoft Office, and I have a subscription to, to Office 365, I like it. Um, you should be fine. But if you are anybody that likes to do your own thing, excuse me, with your computer, and not just what comes with it, then you need to think outside the box. Because with S-Mode, you can install Chrome, but it has to come through the Microsoft Store. Um, McAfee usually comes on a lot of these new computers. McAfee uh, antivirus. I just had a computer that came in, and they wanted us to install Viper, which is another antivirus. Well, I had to disable S-Mode in order to install Viper. Because they insisted, we've always had Viper, I want Viper on this computer. And as soon as I disabled S-Mode, I got a pop-up. Congratulations, you've disabled S-Mode. You can now install McAfee that came with your computer. <laughs> so McAfee was on there, but you couldn't do anything with it. So all these bundles that have come out, it's like c- computers do deals with, with software companies and bundle antivirus or browsers or what have you. So is that Microsoft's workaround for bundles? Yeah, I think so. Is that what it... Because, you know, back in the day, it was like, you you can't just give everybody Internet Explorer. You have to give options, you know. Um, so I think S-Mode is okay for the casual user, which is why it's only available on Windows 11 Home Edition. It's not available on Windows 11 Pro. So if you get Windows 11 Pro, you should be able to do whatever you want. Um, my thing is, is with all the security assistance, don't worry, you can download whatever you want from Microsoft Store under S-Mode and not have to worry about viruses. Well, what happens if Microsoft screws up? Some hacker out there is going, oh, a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> there have been <laughs> malicious apps showing up in the app, in the Apple Store, in the Android Store. People can do that. I mean, Google lets you even install apps outside of their app environment on your phone, but they warn you, beware what you download. And I think that's the key here is... People need to be more aware of what they are doing on the internet, what they're downloading, what sites they're visiting, rather than just relying on the software company that's providing us the access to save us from ourselves. We need to be more aware of what's going on. I think that's where a lot of this comes into. So the home, Windows 11 home versus the pro, and and I just did the pro. So what is the best alternative then? So, and S-Mode's been sold. The bill of goods for S-Mode is the be-all, end-all to antivirus malware. Mm-hmm. It's the thing. Um, if you're pro and you don't have the S-Mode, then, you know, my case, back if you came in the mm-hmm. bundle. So are, are you okay going with one of those bundled programs or should you look somewhere else with everything that's going out there? Because, for example, I, 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 one of the, uh, um, subscriptions I, I get for technology, uh, TLDR. And every day it's attacks and vulnerabilities. It's, um, this malware, that malware, this spyware. It means it's like every day. It's, and it's inundating. I mean, that's half of what it is. And it's supposed to be about new technology. It's like, oh, their warnings popping up. So where should somebody go for the best protection on their computer if you're in 
Windows Pro. Uh, and the reason I bring this up is because is it a multi-layered approach? I mean, do you need more than one? Well, a lot of times, like with Viper um, that we use, it won't let you have another one running. Windows Defender will run. But if you have McAfee installed and it's running, then Defender won't. And, well, Defender won't, but Vipe, you can't even install a second antivirus. You should never have more than one antivirus running on your computer at a time. I would say pick one and, and, and stick with it. I think Norton is an okay solution because it's a all-in-one solution. It's antivirus, it's LifeLock, it's ID protection. So it depends on what you're looking for. McAfee, I think, has a lot of different layers as well. The reason I like Viper, because it's what we use here, is that it just checks for viruses and malware and stays out of your way. It doesn't try to upsell you. One thing I don't like about McAfee and some of these other ones is they're constantly trying to upsell you. They give you a free subscription, which is limited in what it does, and it's constantly setting you a ping, ping, ping. Hey, you're not protected. You need to do this. You're not protected. You need to do this. Which is a fallacy because yeah. I, and because I've gotten those too, and I go back and look, and they're like, it's still running, it's still active, it's not going to expire anytime soon. I am protected. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me I'm not protected because I have you installed. Mm-hmm. And I've seen uh, McAfee come up with um, erroneous um, results as far as what is they consider to be a threat, and they will tag bloatware which is what I call stuff that you don't really need on your computer. Um, HP installs all of their printer servers and go through your diagnostics. So you get drivers for everything. Yeah, it's like, I don't need all those. Um, they'll say, you have a potentially unwanted program. It's not a malicious program. It's not a virus. It's not malware. It's just something that's there that you may not have intended to install or it came with a computer. Um, what it comes right down to is that be aware of what you're downloading. Educate yourself. When you're on uh, my website, majority of them are HTTPS, secure HTTP. So that's the encryption method that all your web traffic is. So me communicating with my bank or my credit card company or even the IRS online, that information is encrypted. Nobody can get access to the information that's transmitted between me and the website. But somebody can get a malware on there that that starts tracking your keystrokes or what have you. I think by and large, nobody, I think the gone are the days of people going around and just pushing out, unless they're a nation state, doing a cyber attack on a country. Um, the average hacker is not out there just trying to insert stuff on everybody's computer. They're sending out emails, getting you to install something. It's more of the phishing attack. Yeah, it's phishing attacks. It's calling you up and saying the biggest phishing attack that I, I encounter is a Windows Defender um, pop-up. And I've seen it. I've had those. I've seen it come across from a lot of different websites. The majority of them are on the seedier side of the internet. They, 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 you put on these little... these. Some of these websites that you click on that you shouldn't be probably going to, or I'm not going to judge, but people go to these sites and they'll get that popping up. So, but I've also seen it come off of eBay. Right. So, and that's the question then. So for the average computer user that, how do they tell the difference between uh, the malicious pop-up 
and a legitimate pop-up on something like Windows Defender because that's something a lot of people are familiar with. Absolutely. So like, oh, Microsoft sent me a message. What I tell, oh, what I tell folks is that if the pop-up has taken over your entire computer and will not let you shut down, then it's not legit. You're not, they're not going to take over. You can't X out of it. No, you can't close it down. It says, do not shut down your computer. It starts shouting at you. And I shell back. Yeah. <laughs> I would say times it works. If it's doing that, it's, it's phishing and it's wanting you to call the number and pay them tons and tons of money. So a lot of times you'll run into these programs you can't back out of. Um, is it best to just shut your computer off at that point? Yes. Just shut it down and start over. Shut it down. Hold down the power button and, but then you don't want to restore whatever websites you were already visiting. Yeah, don't go back to the restore pages part. Be correct. It's going to be right back into that yeah. loop. Yeah, absolutely. So bottom line, Windows Defender, pretty good for most people. But yeah. uh, if you're doing something a little bit else, then maybe you should look for something else. And we're back with the Tech Ranch. Getting ready for more amazing tech insights from the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. We're talking about cybersecurity with Chris uh, on the Tech Ranch and VPNs. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about VPNs. Explain those to, to our listeners what uh, who may not be familiar with them. Uh, VPNs, they're virtual private networks. What it does is it... Closed act- system. It's a closed system. Uh, but you access it through a software program um, or it's built into your corporate um, firewall or your corporate intranet. But a lot of them are designed to allow secure access to a to a business intranet. Um, I used a VPN when I worked for the U.S. Senate, and I needed to access the Senate servers remotely so I could get to my email. You know, they didn't want me doing that through an unsecured web browser, just willy-nilly, because then anybody could reverse their way back into. And Well, and a lot of times you'll see them used uh, if you're dealing with the IT department for mm-hmm. a big business or yeah. a corporation or the government. Mm-hmm. And uh, that'll be the, hey, we're going to VPN here. We're going to cut down yeah, and VPN every time. Work on your computer. Yeah, I used a VPN when I worked for the census um, because the census has basically everybody's personal information and you want to protect that. So it's basically VPNs are more of an identity protection solution, I would say, than, rather than a security solution. Because if you're... I've always said that don't use an unsecured Wi-Fi at Starbucks to do your banking or your day trading. But that's not because the websites you're accessing aren't, aren't, are insecure. I'm logging into my bank using secure HTTP. Nobody can see that web traffic. But somebody can look over my shoulder or they can um, spy on my, my keystrokes if they can find their way back through the same Wi-Fi. These strokes are a big deal. Yeah. They they really are. And a lot of the malware that's out there is set up just to identify the keystrokes. Because if you can figure out what somebody's password is by, oh, that stroke, that stroke, that stroke. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's the biggest, I think, concern is that people are going to pick the password from that. So I would say always use a secure Wi-Fi when you're out and about. But for the average Internet user who's at home, I don't think you need a VPN. I see a lot of these YouTube... um influencers uh, doing any number of, whether it's language information or science or whatnot, they're saying, today's episode is sponsored by NordVPN or Surfshark VPN, and this is what you need. But you also look at VPNs, it's like, it's not about protecting your data, 
It's about hiding your identity from your internet service provider. Um, so everyone's like, well, I don't want Google to know what I'm doing. Well, if you have Google services and you tell Google to ignore you, you might not access everything. Cause again, you're the, you get what you pay for. Um, DuckDuckGo is an example of we are a browser that doesn't track anybody. Uh, Google just got a, a ding the other day because they're incognito mode. All it does is it doesn't, doesn't keep your browser history. It doesn't record what you're doing on the internet. But Google still knows what you did. Well, and, and that comes back to the question. There's scenarios where, okay, I, I'm in stealth or incognito mm-hmm. mode. Or, but anything that goes on in the internet, there's a record of it somewhere. Right. And so these VPNs. So they, how secure should you feel if you're doing your banking or anything else, if you're not using a VPN? Because any you have to work on the assumption that your everything you do there's a digital record of it somewhere absolutely the question then is is that record secure and do i trust the person i'm sharing that record with um with a lot of these vpns they're not trying to protect your data and yeah so now your eyes but that's why a lot of people use them right they think their data is being protected right because so rather than having like Facebook, Google, or your local internet service provider, let's say it's Verizon uh, or T-Mobile because they have home internet now, I don't want T-Mobile to know what I'm doing online. So I'm going to sign into this VPN. Well, now you've given the VPN that information. So this other company, I, w- I would be more secure knowing that what I've done, it's like my ISP has this piece, Google has this piece, Facebook has this piece. If I'm going through a VPN, they have everything. Everything in one location. And what happens if the VPN is hacked or your password is lost for your VPN? Then all of your data is now subject, whereas it's been more decentralized just by using the internet as you normally would. Um, so if you are... Okay, that brings up an interesting question on the security side of stuff. So, and I've seen this pop up on some of my... Um, hot sheets uh, when it comes to tech uh, about VPNs being attacked. They're very much a prime target when you're looking at hackers trying to get information Mm -hmm. because it's all there. Now, instead of having to put together pieces, they can just go one-stop shopping. Right. And I think a lot of it has to do, one YouTuber I watched who was saying you don't really need a VPN kept going back to... um, Eric Snowden, the uh, NSA employee that leads a bunch of stuff, basically saying that they were able to track him because of X, Y, Z. And, you know, so it wasn't as secure as you think. I don't think the average person needs to hide their identity um, unless you're, I mean, WikiLeaks has this thing. It's like, we want nobody to know who we are. Um, I went to this, uh, when we went to Japan for that International Doge Day, Dogecoin, um, event that one of the um, founders of the group and um, her comment to me was it's like yeah this is the first time anybody's figured out who I am <laughs> she used a pseudonym online nobody knew who she was and now like now they know who I am why she, was it okay for her now well because she was at the event I think but she always would have a and a lot of them wouldn't even tell us our name 
Yeah, the sign these little things like Bob. Yeah, do you want? <laughs> can you? Will you? Can we put you on the documentary? If so, can we use your real name or what's your pseudonym? Or do you want us to blur your face out? That kind of stuff. So there is a a range of people that just want to protect their identity at all costs, and for them, a VPN is great. But you have to know who you're dealing with because you still have to set up an account with that VPN company. You have to give them an email address, a password, and a credit card. It's no different than setting up your account with your cable company mm-hmm. or your phone company. Right. Or it's another service that you subscribe to yeah. that is vulnerable, much like anything else. But I think for the average person, most every website nowadays is a secure website, whether you Etsy, Shopify, eBay. Your information is not going to be picked up randomly just by doing your normal activity on the internet and just by the risks of you getting a malware or a virus just by doing what you normally would do on the internet, I don't think is a, it's a big risk, but oh, the risk is there. Well, and there's, there's always risk right. when you're online, there's always risk. Mm-hmm. And I think from that standpoint, I don't think the risk is as blown up as everyone makes it out to be, but it makes sense because the, People that want your information are really, really getting good at it. So the top security things people need to know, you're just the average person at home, what are the top things you need to do from a security perspective? Know who you're visiting. Know the um, Don't ever click on a link in an email. Even if, it's, even if you know it's from your bank, go to your bank's website directly. I got a phone call the other day from, my, um, from the hospital saying, your credit card expired. Please press one to be connected to our billing department. And I knew it was legit because I knew my card had expired. It's like, oh, crap, I forgot to change that. But I went and hung up. You still hung up and went all the bank. It was probably so a good idea. That's the main thing. Um, don't click on links. But you always have to be diligent. You yes. Just don't let anything slide. If you're suspicious about something, trust your gut and uh, verify first. You've returned. Technology is our passion. Let's jump back into the conversation with Marlo and Steve. I want to talk about streaming service a little bit. Chris on the TechCrunch uh, joining us today. And, um, okay, a lot of pushback about the NFL playoff game that took place on Peacock. And if you didn't have Peacock, you didn't get to watch the game. And a lot of people, I actually more than I thought, subscribed to Peacock. So apparently it worked. Um, but a little bit of pushback in social media and uh, on the talking heads when it comes to sports talk shows and people like, why are we having to pay extra for this? You get fans that buy, pay for the stadiums and you should be able to watch. And I'm like, wait, 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 think back. Okay. If this is about having to have another service and we're going to get into the streaming side here in a second, but if you happen to have another service, think about football for me went down that road when ESPN took over games. Mm-hmm. So there's a game on ESPN, which isn't one of the free channels. So if you didn't have cable, you were in the same boat, but way back then. Mm-hmm. And that to me is where it started going, okay, at what point is football sporting events? When's the Super Bowl going to be pay-per-view? Right. You know, not dissimilar from streaming. It's a, tell you what, at some point, the, those Amazon games on Thursday nights, okay, Wait until Amazon or Peacock goes, hey, we're going to pay you $5 billion because we want exclusive rights to carry the Super Bowl. 
Now, there's big money in the TV contracts, but the streaming services have gotten into the TV contract world. Mm-hmm. They have. And I don't see the future of the Super Bowl going that route because... Oh, we've got playoff games there. Playoff games there, but the Super Bowl is all about the commercials. Right. And I don't think that those are ever going to... Um, but what if you're Amazon or Peacock and you're the ones that are, hey, because it, it, it's still the broadcast contract. Mm-hmm. And on that streaming service, you're now, sell, you're the one selling the ads instead of NBC or CBS or Fox. But I doubt that Amazon's going to take any amount of money from Netflix to run a Netflix ad during an Amazon Super Bowl or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Money talks. Well, it does. But you don't want to lose competitors. Right. Um, the Peacock thing for um, the last uh, playoff game wasn't much of an issue in our house either because we have Peacock because my wife loves the Hallmark movies. She Don't has, you have the Hallmark Channel? The Hallmark Channel is available through Peacock. We used to have a... Because you cut the cord, though. Yeah, we did. We cut the cord about a year and a half ago and um, haven't had any issues. Monday Night Football games, they're on ABC uh, because ESPN and ABC are owned by the same parent right. company. Um, and even yeah, Disney, <laughs> even, yeah, even some of these, um, streaming services, um, I view them as kind of like, it's, it's the, I treat them kind of as a rental almost. Uh, my wife wanted to watch one of the presidential debates earlier this year, but it was only available on the Fox Nation app online. And it was six bucks to subscribe. Okay. I paid six bucks. We watched the debate, canceled the subscription immediately. We rented it. Okay. Uh, um, that's kind of how I view it. Well, there's a lot of people that have gotten into that with movies mm-hmm. where if you do the math, by the time you get to go into the movie, it, uh, it comes out at the same time and you can stream it less than going to the movie. Right. Cause you have- you're renting it. You're, you're going to the movie. I mean, it's, it's my wife and I go to the movie. It's okay. Times two. Um, the only thing you don't get is the movie theater popcorn. I know people that will go to the movie theater, buy the popcorn, and then go home and watch the movie. Mm-hmm. That's a thing now. Yeah. But, okay, if you're looking at it as, okay, it's just a rental. Because people will rent things. But if you're looking at it as, okay, I, I've got an, a, a subscription now. It, it's kind of the lens you're looking at it through. Right. And I think a lot of times... They're, they're counting on you to subscribe for something that you really, really want and then forget to cancel. Um, I'm more, a little bit more aware. And I think as much as people lament this whole issue with in-app purchases and Google getting 30% and Apple getting 30%, they make it pretty darn easy. Yeah. All my subscriptions are right there in my, my Apple account on my phone. Tells you when it expires. So do you have the app on your phone that you can go through and it, it'll cluster everything you're paying for and it, go, yeah, delete that now. No, I don't have that app. Um, There's an app for that. There is an app. Uh, I just do it right through the the base track my subscriptions that Apple gives you. They give me all my subscriptions, my Apple Care, my warranty stuff, my Netflix, my Apple TV, and I can just go ahead and cancel. And um, I basically I go in, subscribe, they they charge my credit card, and I immediately cancel it, and I still get it for the month or the seven days or whatever the the trial is. And it works. Um, you know, back in the day, people were talking about cutting the cord because, you know, there's just too much out there and it's too expensive. Well, that's the, the comes from always bundling everything. 
you know, well, you have to have the Golf Channel if you want to watch HGTV. And I think for a while there, it was, you subscribe to this for this niche and then this app for that niche. But now all the niches are kind of merging back together again. Um, HBO Max, instead of HBO, I get HBO, I get Discovery, I get BBC, I can watch pretty much anything. So let's um, back up a little bit on that because, okay, take a look at where cable was going and there was a lot of pushback on cable, whether it was cable or satellite providers, mm-hmm. about, okay, we should be able to do a la carte. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, everybody knows that you wound up having to do the bundles because that was the cheaper way to go than even if you did a la carte because you didn't really get anything for a look. More so on the on the satellite side of stuff. Have streaming services got into that space? Because you don't buy just one channel when you're getting a streaming service. Um, so if you're on Peacock or Disney or you're getting multiple channels you're, you're because they own them. So right. you're you're getting more than just the one channel you want. Right. Um, Paramount Plus. Um, I get Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, um, Showtime. I mean, pretty much anything that Viacom owns, you get through Paramount Plus. All the NBC Universal stuff on um, Peacock. Um, I get Disney Plus through my Verizon subscription because uh, it's one of their bundles. And with that, I get ESPN Plus and Hulu. Now, it's not premium Hulu. It's ad-funded Hulu. But now I can access my Hulu subscription right through the Disney app. I don't have to go out to the Hulu app anymore, which is convenient for me. But it is it, very, is it that much different than when we had 100 different channels? No, not really. No. I mean, and we, we'll go out. We'll watch over the air. And we have no problems with over the air. Um, that's pretty much what we do. But then it's like, well, let's go see what else is out there. And we'll spend 20 minutes. Well, I'll check Peacock, check Netflix, check Amazon. See, that drives me nuts. I can't do that. And it's like, that, that's the part that gets me. And my, my wife will come home and we've got uh, a couple different services and, and she'll have talked to her friends. Oh, we need to watch this. Okay, fine. But we know where we're going. It's not like we're surfing all this stuff. It's like, oh, is it on this service or is it on this service? Okay, great. Let's watch it. And if it's not, I'm not subscribing to something else. I'm not spending time to go find something to watch because that's not productive for my time. Right. And yeah, we just sit there and we're like, oh, can't find anything to watch. So let's just um, do something else. Um, Pull out the board game or play card. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times it's um, she's in the mood for an action movie and I'm in the mood for a comedy or she wants to watch. They do have action comedies. They do. Yeah, they do. Jackie Chan. <laughs> Praise be his name, Jackie Chan. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a dis- disagreement on what we want, but this time of year, it's really good for me because my wife loves football and I will watch football. I get into the games, um, but I can take or leave it. Um, so the fact that she lets that, that she gets to watch football all the time, if it's at some point she's not watching the TV, I get to pick. Oh. Cause I get to let, I let her watch football. So at some point I get to pick. Really? You get to pick. Yeah. The only cat. Oh, I get to pick. Yeah. I go to a different TV. <laughs> her only, her only room, her only caveat is no Simpsons. 
Yep. For something, for some reason, the animation just grates her nerves. And I got to that with my wife. Now, for her, it's two and a half men reruns and uh, Fox News mm-hmm. or even CNN or any, she hates any of those talking news shows. Mm-hmm. Um, can't stand them. I'm like, for me, it's like, we're not watching The Bachelor. Not going to happen. Or The Bachelorette or The Bachelor in Paradise or The Golden Bachelor or... Uh, no, none of those. Which, unfortunately, I became invested in because it was what she wanted to watch. Yeah, well, for her, it's Hallmark. She'll watch those. And she doesn't or, like it when I um, figure out the... Yeah, um, the plot before the movie starts. It's the same plot before the movie starts. Right. My dad was over. My folks were here for Christmas or for New Year's. And the movie's like a third of the way through. And they're like, those two just kissed. The movie's not over yet. <laughs> they're not allowed to do that until the movie's over. Well, you know the difference between the Hallmark Channel and the Lifetime Network. What's that? So the Hallmark Channel shows you how to get a guy. The Lifetime Channel shows you how to get rid of him. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. The, there's a new way um, that's going to save uh, divorce lawyers a lot of, um, uh, put a lot of divorce lawyers out of business is um, well, one of the late night hosts made this comment. It's like, no, just tell your wife that you'll give her the window seat on your next Boeing flight. <laughs> <laughs> No, honey, you have the window seat. Um, okay, so going back to the streaming services, not the jet streaming services, yes. uh, but the, the the streaming services. So for somebody like me, and it, for me it doesn't work just because I'm not that invested into television or mm-hmm. programming. I mean, heck, I can flip the channel on and go, oh, cool, history channel on, boats, big boats, all right, battleships, aircraft carrier. Air, Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not going to go through and go, okay, what's the coolest, latest thing to watch? It's, I My time is, for me, television is more of a, a checkout and just kind of regroup. I don't want just, and what's on? Because I'm usually doing something else. It's if TV's on, I'm usually on the computer or I got my laptop in front of me. I'm on the tablet. I'm multitasking something. It's just on in the background. What's the best way to manage? Because there's so many different streaming services out there. For somebody who's casual or somebody who is invested a little bit better but wants to be more efficient with the time and not have to spend the, okay, I'm going to spend an hour to watch a half-hour program because I can't figure out what I want to watch. Right. Is is there a methodology to that? You know, my methodology is it's, it's twofold. I mean, we cut the cord from the cable company and just use them for internet. And it saved us like $200 a month just getting rid of the cable side of things, which is fantastic. Uh, and with all of our streaming services, I mean, we have Apple TV, we have Disney, we have Hulu, ESPN, Peacock, Amazon Prime, Netflix. We're still paying a fraction of what we were paying for cable. So for me, it's more of a... um a comparison. It's like I'm getting just as much information as I got have from cable, and I'm paying a third less, or I'm paying just a third of what it cost. I'm still paying for my content, but I just it, it depends on where you choose to put right. those content dollars. And then I then I look at okay, 
what do I like to watch? What is my thing? And for me, I love the Discovery Channel. So when HBO Max, when HBO and Warner merged, I used to, I did subscribe to Discovery Plus, but then when they went over to HBO Max, it's like, I can get rid of Discovery Plus now because I can get all that stuff on HBO Max. Um, I love Doctor Who. I don't subscribe to BBC America. I get it through, through Disney Plus now or through HBO Max. Um, so I find that one show that I will go back and watch time and time again, whether it's the Big Bang Theory or Seinfeld or Friends, find out where, man, <laughs> find out where that lives in the streaming world and go with that one. Find something that you just can't live without. If you like to watch the Ghostbusters on repeat, find out where the Ghostbusters are streaming and go with that. See, my wife gets crazy mad at me all the time. She's like, you've seen that. You've seen that. You've seen, well, yeah. I know every word to that movie because I'm watching it because I don't have to be fully invested in it because it's just in the background. Right. She doesn't understand that part. Mm -hmm. What's the secret to that? I don't know. (laughs) Select a fury. Yeah, it's getting at that point. But um, no, so again, coming back to the efficiency side of these streaming services, uh, you got to do a little homework first, figure out where you want to be, what you want to watch, and then kind of navigate from there on what fits your lifestyle. Welcome back to the Tech Ranch. Let's get back to discovering the latest in technology with the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. You're tuned to the Tech Ranch. I'm Steve Bach along with Chris joining us. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about language and language learning. There's been a lot of talk. In fact, Marlo and I were talking earlier in the program about uh, uh, translators and uh, handheld translators, translator apps. And, and, and yes, I did throw in that uh, the universal translator have you ever wondered why Star Trek is all the foreign alien people that they would meet? They all spoke English. Universal translator. That's right. That's the way to go. Uh, but language learning. There's a lot with AI out there right now. There's a lot um, from a technology perspective. Um, I, I remember learning German back in high school and it was laborious. And actually, I took German over any other language because I didn't want to read subtitles when yeah. I was watching old German World War II movies. Right. It's like, okay, that that was my impetus for I want to be able to read it or understand it, at least hear it. And I got to the point where I could read German and I could understand a good chunk of what was spoken to me, but I could never speak it. I mean, three years of German, I, I just, I couldn't. Technology has stepped in now and has really changed the ability to learn a language today. Absolutely. Um, Duolingo, I think it's, and that's, I, I'm, I'm a linguist, um, amateur linguist. I speak three different languages. Um, and which three? I speak English, Japanese, and French. Um, what was the hardest for you to learn? You know, Japanese is pretty hard, but, and at the, Beyond that, I think it was actually easier because Japanese has five vowels. English has 12. Big doubt that only has five. And but French and English aren't that far off. No. Um, so learning the genders in, in French, whether a table or a chair is male or female, that was always a pain in the butt. But, <laughs> um, well, that was German too, because there's yeah, German, low German, and then, uh, you know, you don't do Yeah, it's like, yep. 
Why is the table theme? But that's the Germanic-based languages. Yeah, French had a Germanic-based language. Yeah, and English got rid of their genders back when the Vikings invaded. Right. Um, so, thank you, Norwegians. I do. Um, You're welcome. Some various other um, language apps, Duolingo being one of them. Um, Duolingo, actually, it started out as a crowdsourcing way of solving all of those. Um, remember, they prove you're not a robot, where they gave you this garbled text. Yeah. And you had to interpret what the text was. That was something that came out of Duolingo. Because not only were you proving you're not a robot, you were actually helped digitizing books. Those were scans out of books that the computers couldn't figure out what the words were. Now they're having the humans. Yes, that's a T, that's an X, that's a Y. But now... Remember the audio version of that? Yeah, I, I used to play a contest on the radio back in radio days. It's, we used that. Mm-hmm. That was a segment of the show. It was funnier than heck. <laughs> and now they've gotten rid of that and it's more along the lines of which of these pictures has a motorcycle in it. Yeah. Um, but Duolingo is now you know, just strictly on the language learning side of things. And there was an article recently that they've started to lay off, off some workforce. Because a lot of the sentences that they show you in your different um, language studying were created by other people. Now they're relying more on AI, their own AI, to create these sentences. Which is why one of the sentences that I came across was, my cat likes to water ski. Um, yeah, it's a nonsensical phrase. Now, it would make all the sense in the world if it was a squirrel, because I've seen plenty of water skiing yeah. squirrels. But then I look at that from this perspective of language learning. It's like, no, you're not teaching me. That's not a useful phrase um, to use, but you've taught me how those words go together. So it's more of a grammar thing. And But I don't think any one of these um, apps is really the end all be all for learning a language from scratch, um, particularly one that I'm familiar with. Um, Duolingo, I did the Japanese um, on it because I already know Japanese, but it's a vocabulary builder for me. I see new words popping up. It's like, oh, that's what that word means, or that's how you say that. Um, and I also like to learn new languages that have different writing styles. Uh, so I learned Korean, Japanese, Chinese, Russian. Um, right now I'm learning Hindi just so I can read um, Devagari, the uh, funky uh, Indian script in India. Um, doing a pretty good job. I'm bad for three weeks, but <laughs> if, if you need to know where my cat, my daughter, or my school is. I'm your man. You got it. I got it. Got it nailed down. Right. Uh, so from an application perspective, I mean, so somebody usually wants to get a little bit of language if they're going on a trip. So you're going to France or you're going to South America or Mexico, uh, someplace that speaks a foreign language, and you're going on this trip and somebody wants a crash course uh, just to be able to navigate a little bit Um read a road sign or a train station sign or a bus stop sign. Um, what's the best app out there from a technology perspective? Is there the crash course version or are you better off going with a translator? I would say you're better off going with a translator because um, there's three apps I use. I use Glossica, um, which just basically teaches me how to understand the spoken word. They give me sentences that repeat over and over. Drops is a vocabulary one that kind of just tells me what the words are and how to write or read um, a, a non-Latin script. And Duolingo is 
got more of the grammar and vocabulary piece tied into it. So I don't think any one of those is going to give you a crash course to get by. You're really, your best bet is going to be, um, the Google Translate app or something built in because they hack, they can actually translate signs now. Just put the, just pull it up and there. Okay. That's what that sign means. Um, because ultimately, you know, you want to know where the bathroom is. Um, I was reading a book by a professional interpreter who kind of laments the this new machine translating where they're relying on machines to do the interpreting for us rather than a human being. Because the humans can give you the nuance, the emotion of the speech. And his comment was is that an app can tell you how to order pineapple on your pizza in Rome, but it won't tell you that that's not what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's some of the, the, the questioning with AI is it's the inflection. It's the tone. Uh, there's a lot in the spoken word linguistically that just doesn't come across or a computer program doesn't pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of the same way with the apps or right. from this. I think it's similar, um, but I look at this. A lot of our communication using these apps is face-to-face, um, and body language is somewhat universal. But you know, that could be misinterpreted too. Um, what was the other? So from, from a, okay, so bottom line, crash coursing a language, there's not that out there because we're here. It's, oh, you can learn this language and so babble or some mm-hmm. of the stuff. Right. Um, listen to the CDs, but and I, I kind of question some of those because if technology is not there for an app or something to do it, then it's probably going to take a little longer. So going back to the translation side of stuff, that's your best bet. And in most cases, you can probably learn quite a bit just through the translator learning the language, at least enough to navigate. Right. Because ultimately, what is the desire or need to learn that language is to communicate with someone else. If you meet your point across, then whatever you're using is the right tool. But bottom line, whatever works best for you, and uh, everybody learned a little different, so make sure it works for you. And that's a wrap on another fantastic episode of The Tech Ranch. Remember, if you have any questions or want to suggest topics for future shows, visit thetechranch.com and send us your thoughts. You can also listen to past episodes and watch exclusive interviews not featured on the radio show. Be sure to follow Marlo and Steve on social media by clicking the links at thetechranch.com. Until next time, keep exploring the world of living with technology. 